Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. How good was beers with back chat? I'll tell you what, when I think of good, I think of beers with back chat. Yeah. Dictionary meaning changed from good to beers with back chat. Little mini show, little uh, premiership team draw, a couple of beers with back chat. I can't keep going on with this. We record this <laughs> on a Monday. That didn't. <laughs> it didn't take long. We record <laughs> this on a Monday. You can't sell anything. No. Beers with back chat is tomorrow night on a Tuesday. Yes. We record this on a Monday. Yes, yeah, so we're lying. This episode comes out on a Thursday morning. Yes. I am anticipating it was one of the year's best events. Yes. You know what we should actually have sold it as is the last opportunity you have to come out and have a beer before we get shut down as a community here in Western Australia. Shut down. <laughs> Skepta. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I, I usually, I, don't do that. No. Uh, I usually can't go with you. Um, social handles. We've got backchat double underscore. You can follow us over there. Yep. So it's starting to get a little bit of movement over on social. So I appreciate your support, your following. Um, hello at backchatpodcast.com.au is our email for you. Send it. We We've got lots it. of emails. It's a beautiful thing. This yeah, way. I love it. I love seeing that inbox fill up. We got an email from Google actually recently that was like, guys, <laughs> just relax on the emails. You're getting a lot in. Wow. Um, just keep an eye on your... If, on your <laughs> if I knew off the top of my head who the Mark Zuckerberg was of Google, um, thank you, Mark. Yeah, Mark. The Mark Google guy Berg. that does Google. Yep. Now, um, Before we keep going on, okay. social media things. Yes. Reddit. Yes. Um, Are we all good? We've discussed in the past how I've been banned by trying to spread content amongst channels on Reddit. I mean, I will go on record and say that I don't think I, I didn't think Reddit was a good idea, but I'm happy to say I was wrong because yep. it's been great for our following, our audience, our content has been mm-hmm. great. The thing I don't like about Reddit is that you get um, patted on the back for posting things about Channel Seven, Fox Footy, all of that stuff. Post as much of that as you want, but any original content that you make that you put up on the little AFL sub, they penalise you. They're like, no, don't promote yourself. Anyways, So no, Charlie, no, no self-proclamation. Yeah, no, you don't, you're not allowed to do that. If you've made your own content, don't share it. Okay. Charlie, help me out here. You recently... Hi, Charlie. Ha- howdy. Yeah. Um, it was ridiculous. <laughs> so Dan uploaded a video to 
uh, the Reddit AFL community there. Yes. And he asked, you know, go give it a bit of, bit of juice, bit of yeah, love and support. So I went and uh, I upvoted it. That's what the liking is on Reddit. Reddit. Mm. Yep. Uh, and I was banned for three days from Reddit. Yeah, for liking, for liking content it. that we made. On, not even on my back chat. I was going to say, may I ask, <laughs> is your username still Backchat Charlie? Because I feel like that's still a bit of a dead giveaway that you may be involved in this podcast. This was not on the Backchat Charlie account. This was on my personal account. And I just uploaded it and they gave me... Chat back, Charlie. Yeah. Um, uh, I need to give a huge shout out to... So, so yeah, go fuck yourself, Reddit. Perfect. Yeah. What, what would you say that username is? Uh, Copeth. Copeth. Um, I messaged Copeth on the uh, during the week, and I said, "Hey, if I post on Reddit, I'm going to get banned. You you like the show? If you want to post something in the AFL sub for us, please post it." And they did, and yeah, it happened. And so just, thank you. And you just identified them all, and Copeth <laughs> will be banned next week. Nah, that'll be fine. Yeah, Reddit's an interesting case, but you know what? We move on. That's fine. <laughs> YouTube. If you are listening to us, haven't watched us uh, do our thing. We are in a studio. We built our own little thing down the garage. It's evolved yep. over the time we've been doing this, but we are on YouTube. You can find us. Just search back chat. It'll pop up. We got our tagging going well now, and um, it's pretty fun. I think from the feedback I've had, it's more interesting sometimes to watch us do our thing because you can kind of. Sit there with us. Yeah, a little bit more interaction. So if you haven't done that, subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you are not a Patreon yep, and you would like to be one, I've got some news for you. One, as you know, I've been banging on about it for a few weeks now. Fantasy League is open. If you'd like to win two grand final tickets, that's how you do it. You sign up to Patreon. You can do that either on Patreon and search for Backchat or you can jump on our website, backchatpodcast.com.au. A little pop-up will take you there or follow any of the links on our socials and it's the little jingling little baby that does it sing over on our social link. <laughs> yeah, You can sign up to Patreon. Now, we've, we've been giving our patrons a few things over the time we've been doing this, a bit of an early release, some little inside access. We'll be bringing you more as we go. So... You've got to be a patron member to win the two grand final tickets for AFL Fantasy. I know it's happening. It still doesn't feel real. That's a crazy price. I've got, so, I've got something else for our guys. What? And girls. Yep. Whippersnapper Distillery, mm. who beautifully provide us with the finest whiskey of all time and just, just smoothen out things a little bit on the podcast. Just think yep. about how stiff and rigid we would be without just a nice little responsible nip of whiskey mm-hmm. other than Josh Garlop. Yeah. Uh, who should have been enjoying responsibly. Whippersnapper Distillery. They look after us. Big time. And you know what? They look after our patrons too. Huge. There's a discount code coming up on Patreon. What, for on pa- a discount on their whiskey? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, we've got a code. I'm going to tell you it right. No, you know what? You can't get that unless you're a patron. We, we, we told you. Clever. We told you we'd look after them. We are. And Whippersnapper Distillery, some of the best in the business. Got to pick up a bit more whiskey this week. Yep. Loaded us up again. I've got to be honest. Oh, please do. Sometimes go to bed at night and I think, how can we... No, I, do, I go to bed every night. How can we better the experience for our patrons? And this is this is one. Because I, I worry. I think about it. We've absolutely done it. Um, beers with back chat. Yeah, like we said, it was a beautiful night on uh, Thursday <laughs> uh, Tuesday night. No, we haven't done that yet, but I'm sure it will be a good night. We're doing our premiership sweep where everyone there has the opportunity to be... Registered with a team mm-hmm. of the 18 teams. We'll pick 18 names out of a hat that are there on the night and they'll get a team where we put the money on for them. We're placing 18 bets. Yep. Amount to be 
determined. Yeah. It won't be a, it won't be a silly amount high or low. It'll be fair. Depends how many beers happen at beers. <laughs> Very good. Up. So we'll have eighteen riding the journey with us this year, uh, and we're just going to have a couple of other little moments there. So yep. I hope. Speaking on Thursday now. Uh, speaking on Monday now. Tuesday's a good night, and we do it again. It'll be good to do again. Would one hundred percent definitely do it again. All right, let's uh, one in every state. Calling it now. Oh boy. Okay, so let's have a bit of a look around the world of sport right now. Um, we've covered your Reddit adventures during the week. We've yep. Well, we've been banned, so that's fine. We'll get back. Sir Swamp thing. Um, big friend of the family, Sir Swamp, and we've been doing our thing with him as per usual. Um, he sent through a couple of pearlers this week. He did. I and featured him one. You did. Yes. Just quickly, Sir Swamp. If you're on Twitter and you see those stats, and you maybe you're new to listening to Back Chat, we interviewed him a while ago. Mm. Just search Sir Swamp thing Back Chat. You can listen to like an hour of him talking. It's you know, very good. You know, he's actually the biggest celebrity we've ever had on here because he's the only one who said you cannot you, you cannot show my face. Yep. You, I, I, the I, biggest diva we've had. Yeah. Nah, nah, not diva. Nah. He's just <laughs> he's just happy with his privacy, and I agree yep. with it. But that's how much of a big dog he is. Yep. You're never going to know he what he looks privacy. like. He's yep. a good man, uh, Sir Swamp. So um, get over and do that. He, he gave us a couple of stats this okay. week. One, let's talk about your involvement first. So this is the most career games with five or fewer round one appearances. So you played how many seasons? Uh, 14. 14. So you were talking about this sort of last week, week before, that round. you don't think you featured in many round one games. Yeah, I know. Well, I know I you didn't. Kn- you knew you didn't. Not exactly at yep. the amount, but I know that I just wasn't picked around one. Yeah, I still played a lot of games, but I don't think you knew to the extent of how no. like big of a deal it no. was that you weren't picked round one. No. So what's the stat? Most career games with five or fewer round one appearances. The most. It's in the history of the AFL. The, the, of the most AFL. games played by anyone picked under five games Times. in round one. Yep, that's right. I'm in the top five, baby. You're in the top five ever let's, to let's, have ever done anything. <laughs> Let's oh, go from. Don't, don't, don't scoff and laugh. That's, yeah. that's a fact. No, yeah, what is. are you laughing about? Because it's not usually a stat that you want to be associated with. You, you got any stats that you've been in the top five in, in the world to have ever done it? Because no one else, don't worry, it's Australian footy league, but that's fine. There's yeah. no one else in the world who have done this, Dan. You got any no, of those let's, for me? Let's just, let's just go through it. Didn't think so. 221 games. Barry Mitchell yeah. had only played five round one games. West Australian, Barry Mitchell. There you go. Yeah. Barry Mitchell. Next in line. Damien Hardwick. Quite a good player, you'd say. Yep. Quite a good coach, you'd even Very say. Very good coach. Even better. Uh, 207 games, only played five round one games. Didn't get picked that often. Uh, not a relative of yours, no. but maybe. Well, if we went deep into the family tree. Sure, I mean, everyone's related. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Jared Schofield. 206 yes. games, only got picked five times. Port Adelaide. Fremantle, West Coast. Did he go Freo as well as West Coast? I don't know if he went. Charlie, Freo? Yeah, look at that, Charlie. Definitely went West Coast, Port Adelaide, for sure. Then next, of course, 194 big ones. Will Schofield. Fourth. Fourth in the world. In the entire world. Universe. Ever. Ever yep. to have ever done it. To have ever done it. I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with it. So it's a good stat. You, you say it's, a, it's not a stat you want to be associated with. This is a good stat. What, I guess what because it shows... Because the reason... Hmm? Okay, you, you tell me what it is. I guess what it shows is that... Um, Longevity of your career, 194 games. It wasn't that you were a certain in game one of the of the season, but you always showed that you could do it. It shows a few things. Uh, one, on. I mean, I must have been a horrible preseason trainer because that's yep. how they get picked, and especially if you're not an everyday player, every every game selected player. 
But secondly, like the reason that I'm up there is because usually when that happens, you don't keep a career going. Like yep. it's, it's gone. You don't get yeah, the ground yeah. one. It's, you, you're doing it regularly. But I had a bit of something in me. I had a little bit of grit. You just needed to be resilience. told no once and then you're back. Well, or, five or, times. or uh, 11 times. <laughs> yeah, 11 times. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. right. But that's all good. Um, okay. You get that for us, Charlie? So you were correct. Uh, I know I was. Eagles, Port, Fremantle. Quite, that's, that's quite good, actually. Yeah. Both Western Australian teams and Port Adelaide. Now he's been coach at Port Adelaide and now coach at West Coast. Must be a Schofield thing. Uh, if Matthew Richardson had played every possible game from debut, so this is for our guest coming up this week, mm-hmm. Matty Richardson. I asked Sir Swan, what's the best you got on Matty? If he played every possible game from debut to the final match and maintained his career average goals per game, he would have finished with over 1,000 goals. 1,000 goal club would have him in the top five to have ever done it. He finished his career at 12th of all time, so no slouch no, regardless. It's no scrub. Had 199 career games with two-plus goals, missed out on the double century, and he had 99 career games with four-plus goals, missed out on the century. So he was a game of just, Huge. but he finished his career on 800 exactly. So mm-hmm. he finally got there. Didn't get to play in a grand final, and therefore a premiership. He's got a pretty interesting story, and we'll get to him in a little you bit. You know what, though? Yeah. Didn't get to play in many finals, and these these stats include finals. A lot of these players up in the top there played a lot of finals games. That's a very good point. He may well be better than stats. Yeah, that's right. If he if he's had the team around him to push him to finals games, should have come to West Coast probably. Um, yep, fantasy leagues open as we talked about. Sign up to Patreon, become a patron of the podcast, support yep. us. I mean, not only does it support us, and we are incredibly appreciative of every patron we have that's there's there's, there's over 100 there's definitely over 100 patrons um there's 81 teams in the fancy league you have a one in 81 person chance of winning two grand final tickets there is nowhere i'll tell you right now there is nowhere that offers those sort of odds to win a grand final and tickets. yes times two i know there's a fair chunk of those people who have no idea what they're doing with fantasy and they just want to be in it to win it yeah you yep there you go charlie oh are you in it yet Myself, yeah, yeah. I'll put you in the bin. There you go. You know. You're going straight in the bin if you haven't signed up yet. Have you signed <laughs> up or not? <laughs> go on, Mate, how's the, how's the audacity? The yeah, I've signed up. Yeah, me. Yeah, me. No, I'm one of the bad ones. I will. I'll be there. It's his birthday. He thinks he can do whatever he Happy wants. Happy birthday, Charlie. Yeah. I mean, cats. Yeah. Cats cat's beating you in a lot of areas at the moment, Charlie. Mm. Um, the cocktail challenge, bye-bye. That's, that's not Most other departments, challenge. bye-bye. <laughs> and Charlie... Let's be honest. Your organisation, mate, it's not good enough. You get, get joined up. Get signed up. Yeah, it's coming. You're okay, a grown man now. Um, how-to guides will be coming a little bit as mm. well. I did promise them last week. I'm a liar. Sometimes things take longer because they're going to be so good. Yes. Um, Charlie, if you could just give me a bit more action, mate, that would be fantastic. Uh, Selby Lestier will be joining us before the season starts. So he Which runs very soon. He runs Moira's Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, they do amazing things. So if you do want to do well in ours to win the grand final tickets, I'd suggest signing up to him. But there's so many things to sign up to. We're not going to bang on that about that too much. Yep. Little look around sport. Mason Cox yeah. is wearing sunglasses in games of football. I'm just kidding. That, that's it. There's not much else to say there. I, I just want to ask one question. Is he going to have the strap that like keeps him around his neck if they fall off? Are they going to be? Is he going to be constantly like trying to? Pick I thought up potentially they could. We could roll with some transitions, maybe. You know, like imagine being indoors. You got the stadium and Eddie had. Ah, uh, yep, true. Could you get some transition lenses? Like, why do they have to be sunglasses? What happens at night games? 
infrared. Sorry? <laughs> infrared goggles. <laughs> like x-ray vision type yeah. setup. Yeah, night vision. Sorry, night vision is what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so yes or no from you with Mason wearing sunglasses? Big fan. Big fan. Yeah. Have you seen photos of it? Yeah, it looks it's, ridiculous. It's That's why I want it. setup is just shocking. It's yeah. both socks up. He's got a shin pad, probably two shin pads, which is outrageous to start with. He's tucked in. He's all in black. He's got the Matrix. He's got the Neo Matrix Morpheus. sunglasses. Neo warm as well. Oh, no, no. Sorry, not Morpheus. Morpheus has no frame. Right. So Morpheus has the two. So when I said Neo, you mean... You, you were right, yeah, okay. Matrix. Perfect. Yep. Are you good with me with Charlie shaking his head? You want to pull it? You want to go check it? No, I was agreeing with you. It's okay. Neo. Okay, yeah. very good. Thank you, Dan. Uh, that'll be all for you today. Now... <laughs> I'm done. We come to a very... Uh, it's become a favourite part of the podcast for mine. Mm. Why your team can win... The 2022 Premiership. This is a hard week. I will start with, look, I said we're doing an alphabetical order and sometimes on this podcast I do rely on others to help me with some things. Charlie had done the alphabetical list. Mm-hmm. How did you go with that, Charlie? Not oh, great. I think I could go back to first grade. So we went, I think last week we did uh, Fremantle, Essendon and Geelong. No, we did Geelong, Geelong. Uh, Great GWS Western Sydney and Hawthorne. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, oh no. What did we miss back at G? forgot there was three G teams. <laughs> yeah, <Gold> <laughs> okay. Don't worry, most people forget there's that third G oh, team. Whack, Dan starts off with a bang. Why Gold Coast can win the 2022 Premiership? Gold Coast. <laughs> Don't you laugh at okay, me. Okay, no, 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 no. How can Gold Coast win the 2022 AFL We've Premiership? We've seen Gary Ablett. Mm-hmm. Harley Bennell. Harley Bennell's been there. Yep. We've seen Carmichael Hunt do his thing up in the Gold Coast. Jeez, he had some fun on and off the field, did Carmichael. But who's the new king of the castle? Benny King. He's injured, right? He's done his knee. Yeah, okay. Okay, how are they going to win? What about we get on the old tuk-tuk? Why don't we jump yep. on the little... Why don't we pretend we're in Thailand? Okay. Uh, Padang, Padang, or down to Bangla Road and Bangla Stadium, Phuket, Thailand, on the Tuk Tuk. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Tuk Miller, one of the greatest fantasy players to have ever played. He's been elevated to the captaincy this year. He's the man to get, he's going to put the team on his back. Tuk Tuk. You can do it in fantasy, you can do it in real life. Gold Coast for the flag in 2022. Matty Rao, another name. Okay, Matty Rao. Was, was almost. A Brownlow lock. Oh, no. He was Brownlow favourite coming into the season last year. He was the guy. And then in the first four or five weeks, everyone's like, okay. No, like last year in the first four or five minutes, he did his shoulder, mate. Bye-bye, Matty Rowell. He hasn't played footy for two years. Yeah, sorry. Season he, before. Yeah, He's right. back. Look, leave it to me, Dan. I'll tell you why. Matty Rowell, sunscreen on, sunglasses on. He may have applied for sunglasses like <laughs> Mason Cox. I don't know. But he is a white man. He's got red hair. Yep. But that doesn't matter. He plays for the Suns, which is irony if I've ever heard it before in my life. Matty Rowell, Tuk Tuk. They're Stewie Dew for a flag. You see what I did there? They're Love absolutely it. Stewie Dew for a flag. The Gold Coast Suns, they play this trumpet noise uh, at the Suns when they kick goals. It comes out of the stadium. It sounds something like this. That's the premiership noise. That's happened three times, I think, in the last season. No, <laughs> I should. Odds no. to win it, 101 to 1. Yes. So with our premiership sweep that we're doing, yes. if you pick Gold Coast, it could be a life-changing moment. You can't say Gold Coast can't win. No. You just can't. Anything could happen. 
every team could come down with hay fever and never be able to play again. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, 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 Melbourne. Yeah. The Melbourne Demons. They did it over here in the West. One of the greatest grand finals you'll ever see. Head to head with the Western Bulldogs for a half and then they just went whack, 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 whack out whack, of the middle. Whack. Melbourne Demons. Why can they win the 2022 Premiership? Ben Brown. Oh, no. <laughs> that is not where I was Key going. Key forward. Consistent. Oh, God. Change clubs, found a better situation, can lead them to victory. Is that what you were going to say? I can't argue with you. I mean, the Benny Brown, he's gone to bigger and better things after he's been my bunny for a long time, Ben Brown. Well, since I've left the league, we've seen him blossom into the player he is today. Ben Brown, the Melbourne Demons, you've got Oliver, Petrarca. Their captain and their ruckman has a, the best beard in the AFL. Yep. And their coach gets on the piss and the punt with the boys all the time. And is they it, don't care. He's a player's coach. They and actually support it. Oliver's jaw seems much stronger these days. Oh if he cops a little whisper on a on the chin, he might not go down as easy. I believe the tribunal term was feather. Feather, sorry, not a whisper. Melbourne Demons flag, twenty twenty two. Now, I won't do it again. But after M comes N, and Melbourne's odds to win the flag, uh, Gold Coast were at four uh, one hundred one. Yep, Melbourne at four dollars. Yeah, okay. All they right. certainly to win it. Absolutely certainly to win it. Now, after M comes N, North Melbourne, mm. just up Genius. the road from Melbourne. North Melbourne, why can they win the flag? I actually had to put my okay. head, my thinking head on for this one. and We got this. I absolutely do. Mm-hmm. Does Brent Harvey play there anymore? No. Wayne Carey, the Rue boy. No, I don't think he's doing much these days. Ben Brown. Unfortunately, moved clubs after, you know, tumultuous time being your bunny. Okay. Uh, North Melbourne. This is why they can win the flag. They got the number one draft pick. Two words. Horn Francis. Yep. Another, another two words. Okay. <laughs> Shin boner. Spirit. Okay. Now, Dan, I'm glad you brought that up because it doesn't matter how bad North Melbourne is. It doesn't matter how bad the facilities are. Chuck them out in the car park. Chuck them in the tip. They just get it done. The Shin boner Spirit. Glenn Archer. Anthony Stevens. Go to Tassie. Win a game. Adam Simpson. <laughs> These boys set the culture of the club many, many moons ago. And that's why I think they can win. Bring the shin bonus spirit, pull your socks up, tuck your jumper in and get yep. into it, boys. Who is North Melbourne's best player right now? Ben Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Jaden Stevenson. Okay, you think? Prob- you don't know, but don't you hope. Maybe. Yeah. Could he do something? It's a potential. Who knows? North Melbourne. Potentially could win the flag in Odds? 2022. $81. So they're a little bit uh, a little bit shorter than Gold Coast. So if you're looking for a, you know, a bit of value. A bit of a roughie. There you go. North okay. Melbourne. Thanks very much for coming. Premiership for them in 2022. Go the ruse. <sighs> oh, do you boy. remember? That was a tough sell. Sorry. <laughs> do you remember a period of time where North Melbourne were just referred to as kangaroos and not North Melbourne? Yeah. Wayne Carey is Roo boy. Wayne Carey is Roo boy. Do you not know what this has? No. Like Rolf Harris involved in a wobble board incident and, well, I'm not, yeah. No, nah, yeah. don't Wayne Carey is Roo boy. Look, there'll be lots of people listening okay. there going, Dan, mate, how do you not know this? Charlie, do you know this? No clue. Wayne Carey is Roo boy. They used to play the record back and Wayne Carey had morphed with a kangaroo and they'd man some, made some sort of kangaroo man and it was Wayne Carey. 
Anyway. All right. Let's please, please continue. No, I was just going to say that they weren't affiliated with North Melbourne for, yeah. a, for a while. They were just a, a, a locationless club. They Sorry. were just referred to as kangaroos. Maybe we should just take it out of Arden Street and just pull it back into the kangaroos. Yep, all right. Um, before we get to Maddie Richardson. Um, and you send it, we read it. Yep, that's correct. Going to do a little bit more media watch, which is come back onto the agenda here at Backchat. I appreciate some people pointing some stuff out during the week. But the best of the lot is... Eddie Maguire is not returning to Fox Footy this year. Mm. How do you feel about that? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I think um, Eddie's good for the for the league for the game, right? Yeah, yeah. He, Eddie's good for the game. I mean, in terms of uh, you know systems and actual role playing, he does. He's a main anchor on Fox Footy. He, he anchors when they're in the studio. He does a lot of play by play calling. Um, people notoriously don't like his material, especially over Collins in the West. Center. Well. It's because of that. It's because he's too Collingwood-centric and he you know, doesn't get as excited when other teams do well. But I agree with you. I think Eddie's good for the game. He's you know, a silly operator, Eddie. He's been doing a lot of things at a high level for a long time. I said the same about Kane Corns last week. Yeah. Don't think that anyone in the media is just you know, just rolling around not knowing what they're doing. You, know, you look at Billy Brownless types in the media. Yep. Billy's a smart operator. Same with BT. He cops a bit. BT. He knows what he's doing. Well, look, I'll give you a little... little uh, prequel here to okay. Matty Richardson. I'm going to ask him about a game show that he was involved in during his career. Billy Brownless beat him in that game show. So that's that's to say the intelligence of Billy Brownless. Okay. He's a smart operator, smart cookie. Very smart. Um, should we do You Send It, We Read It? Where if you send it, we read it. You that's send the it rules. Hello at backchatpodcast.com.au. Unlike social media, unlike questions to the guests, unlike a look around the grounds, unlike Media Watch, unlike our preview of the show, unlike Chaining to Charlie, unlike anything else on this show, if you send it, we will read it. Unless you are Ben, who we still are pending your email because it is too detailed. It's that good. We're trying to figure out how we do best. We promise we're going to use it. We are not men not of our words yes that's a double negative but you send it we read it hello at backchatpodcast.com.au okay this, I, don't, I don't have it in front of me so. that's right it's from Montana Nichols okay I uh, know Montana she's a runner I'm pretty sure she's a runner in the states okay hey backchat team I'm privileged to have lots of links to backchat just see if you can read just firstly well. yeah long time listener mm. you could attend to that mm-hmm Worked at the West Coast Team Store for four years, which made for lots of game day memories and funny play interactions. Do you? Did no, you well, no one, no, well, no one ever used to know anyone's names in there. So I'm assuming I would have had to deal with Montana, and Probably I would have been would. very nice. But they didn't used to wear name tags, mm. and so sometimes when you get in that situation, especially if you see someone multiple times, it gets past the point of yeah, you can't introduce you just, yourself. It's yeah. awkward, and they know you too. Chris Marston used to work in the Team Store. I wonder if Montana worked with him. Probably. Probably it did. Uh, another link is... Sorry, I've just lost here. Went to Ohio State. So loved hearing from Cameron Johnson a few weeks ago. Yeah, good. Which was our little NFL nod there. Yep. Uh, the startup I work for, a Studium, shares an office with Whippersnapper, but I'm yet to run into Dan in the cafe. Oh, boy. Yep. Whippersnapper. There Special whiskey supplies. And make good coffee too. Okay. In short, love the podcast. Okay, so a few episodes ago, you mentioned you wanted to interview someone from the most watched sports. I'm a co-founder of Australian Pitching Development, a, a baseball girl, Montana. I know a baseball development program website. We also have a podcast called Move the Mound Back. You know, yeah, that's quite go good, listen actually. to it. It's quite good. Very good. 
Uh, so we can definitely put you in touch with a couple of guest options, local or in the US. No pressure, just thought I'd reach out. Montana. I would love to speak to someone from baseball. Mm-hmm. Baseball. <laughs> Batter up, I think. Batter up. Baseball. <laughs> Is that what they say in baseball? They just say the name of the sport. Oh, my God. <laughs> nah, I'm pretty sure baseball was the thing they say. Baseball. Batter up. Yep. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. Or strike. Swing. Batter, 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 batter. Oh, boy. Okay. Luke Hill. Let's go. Let's, <clears throat> let's move on. I'm going to take you up on that option. Thank you, Montana. Okay. No subject. Very good. <laughs> Thanks for that. I just finished listening to the Lewis Jetta episode and was blown away by the stories he told across the entire pod. I had no idea about how recent the stolen generation was and how big an impact it, it has today among the Indigenous community. The struggles Lewis had and uh, with mental health and how open he was and finally his influence around the club. It was a very good episode. Just search Lewis Jetta back chat on yep. YouTube. Yep. It's all there. It's very good. If you're new to the pod, go find it. I thought the interview was done really well by you and Will. I thought you handled the highly sensitive Hang topics. On, don't skip that. I think this is an important part of this email. Uh, so I thought the interview was also done really well by you and Will, and I'm guessing Dan is reading this, which what? I am. All oh, right, okay. Because yeah. it's like you and okay. to me. I thought, I thought, I thought, yeah, okay. Yep, yeah. no. I thought you handled the highly sensitive topics in a way that allowed Lewis to be honest, while at the same time respecting his experiences. I thought this was one of the best. Uh, this was the best content that Backchat has put out, or the best content in Australian media in 2022. It's a big call. We really appreciate it. Uh, I mean, it's spot on. Yeah, I loved it. Easily my top two. Uh, My question is, during Jeddah's time at West Coast, he was under media scrutiny quite a lot, with pundits often criticising his attitude and willingness. Do you think pundits should maybe step away from describing players as lazy and non-caring? In the modern game, players train hard, maintain a strict diet, and and are under... uh, constant scrutiny to perform every week and commentators describing Lewis uh, Lewis Jetta as lazy back when he first was traded now seem plain stupid in in hindsight cheers guys very good thank you Luke Um, I mean there's a few examples but yeah I think potentially I mean lazy is actually a lazy way to look at it right so it's a it's a lazy term spoken by like how would you how would you know for starters, how yeah. would you know as a commentator or as a fan or anyone else if someone's being lazy? It may be a perception, and that certainly was what it was with Lewis. A good example, uh, we put some of our highlights together and I wrote an article on the episode on Lewis and some of his experiences, and there was a comment on social media, which I went to absolute bloody town on today, and I loved it. It said uh, when Lewis Jetta almost missed the final with mm-hmm. Call of Duty, um, it said... Well, he missed Sydney's final series as well. He never gave us anything at the footy club in that regard either. Right. I just gave him a friendly little reminder that how, how do you think you got to the 2012 grand final slash final series? Lewis Jetta in 2012 was your leading He's goal kicker. beast that year. Just remember, there's only one best player every week and there's only six best players every week. It can't be the same people and it certainly can't be the whole team. So every single week of the year... There's blokes that aren't in the best players. And if you don't do that on grand final day, it doesn't mean you that you haven't contributed. You don't have a role to play. It's just a bad game. And that's all right. Sometimes it's not even a bad game. It's just playing a role and you're not aware of the, ro- of the role. Do I think that they should be just stop describing that in media? No, uh, I don't know. The, critic, the criticism stuff, I think Matty Richardson will sit in the same basket as me. Like, 
Yeah, you gotta you gotta remember how hard the game is sometimes, and just keep just keep a balanced lens on things. Don't get too carried away. Happy, sad, somewhere in the middle is good. Very good. Okay, I think you should read the next one because there's a bit directed at me. Okay, from cool. Rick Peterson. And your voice might need a rest a little bit. <laughs> this is from Ricky Peterson. Um, he's YouTube unpacking. Thank you, Rick. Hello, gang. Just watch the incredible Jetta interview on YouTube instead of listening, as I normally do. Thanks for tuning in, Rick. I hope you subscribed. If you haven't, get on to that, mate. It's one click. Two things. It, it actually really helps the podcast if you do that. That's why we keep banging on about it. Mm. If you subscribe, we can get to a secret little number and then we're going to be able to do some cool things. Mm-hmm. Two things immediately became evident. One, I was amazed at the pasty, podgy, almost anemic-looking Daniel Const. <laughs> the very same man pretending to be an athlete, inverted commas, an all-round premiership winning champion across a multitude of sports, Give me a spell, Dan. The jig is up, Daniel. <laughs> I hereby encourage everyone listening to subscribe to the YouTube channel and see for yourselves the greatest con ever inflicted on a podcast audience in the history of mankind. <laughs> <laughs> that is just spot on, Rick. Uh, and he's even telling people to subscribe to see what, what sort of lies that you're... I mean, around. there's a trophy up there, mate. I thought we were burning that. <laughs> we're not burning that. <laughs> We're we going to incinerate it. Investigation. We're looking for an incinerator. <laughs> yep. There's also yeah. I, I, I'd love to see the Dan Cons playing cards. I've got a few of mine actually. Go on. Anyway, okay. uh, number two. Mm-hmm. I noticed the little finger on Will's left hand is not straight. Is that, that legit or are that, you? That is very good, Rick. And I paused for anyone just listening and not. That watching. is filthy. I don't know. Did I you break that finger, that. Will? Thanks again for letting us in on the life of Lewis Jetta. Yours, Rick Peterson. All good sometimes on Instagram. He's yeah. a big contributor on the go. podcast. Yep. Uh, that's a very good pickup. He's never watched it before, and that's what he's picked up. So, yes, I'm, I'm showing showing you now. That's, uh, what do you think of that one, Charlie? That's awful. Do you like that little one? Doesn't look great, does um, it? So there is a other another team member that we might actually post something on social, Charlie, if you can remind me. There's a team member, premiership teammate of mine, that has hands that look a lot worse than this. Um, this is from just a multitude of years of copping balls and trying to catch balls with your hands for 15 years. Yep. And you dislocate them, you jar them, you don't strap them correctly, you don't heal them properly, you play through things, and that ain't never straightening up. You know what? Um, a lot of you know the best sort of quarterbacks and pitchers in the in major leagues have like in these baseball, baseball. <laughs> have these, like, weird things with their hands that give them, like, little, like, advantages in throwing the ball. Oh, no. So, like, you know, a quarterback... Big hands. No, like, a broken finger that, like, puts this, like, special little spin on the ball because their finger's, like, oh. in a weird spot. Baseball players, they can throw these nice little curve Dis- balls. Dislocate their little finger. Or but you, you didn't Didn't end help up. me in any way, shape, no. or form. In fact, it hindered my career because I used to have to strap them together quite a lot. The uh, little finger and the middle finger, or the whatever that one, that ring finger. Yep. Uh, and it just it made trying to mark. Well, <laughs> like spoil a ninja or, turtle. Or spoil. How do you, how do you spoil like that? Yeah, I don't so know. you end up bunging them up again. Doesn't work. I really like jo- reading that. Do you reckon I read another one? I mean, you get all the scopes from me. Go, 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 go. Bruce Cockman. Pineapple Cock- is Cock- the subject. Cockman, maybe. Hi, guys. Love the podcast. And the two hours this week is not enough. Sometimes I think we go a little bit too long. We get a bit carried away, but that's good feedback. I like it. Will's reaction to the pineapple on pizza question made me think. 
I need to give a shout out to the Hungry Hungry Jack's <laughs> Tropical Burger. The pineapple in the burger is bloody delicious, and it should be standard on the menu. Okay, I'll say this, Brucey Bruce. Boy. I'm a pineapple pizza fan. Pineapple in a burger doesn't belong. It's too far. I'm happy to toe the line with with pineapple on pizza burgers. Do you sorry. like cooked apple in an apple pie? Cooked Cook banana. Yeah, cook fruit doesn't go. Don't no. do it anywhere. Just just leave it fresh and enjoy it as it should be. Cold. I was looking forward to beers with back chat. So are we, Brucey boy. It was t- really good on Tuesday. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> on Tuesday, which is tomorrow for us. But you know, you listen to this Thursday, so I'm sure yeah, it was good. It was Had good. made plans with some mates to go. There was going to be more than just me, Charlie, Cat, and Dan. There. <laughs> All right, got home and my wife. Oh no. Got home and my wife reminded me that we're going out to dinner Tuesday night with her friend for her birthday. We never do anything Tuesday nights and I'm a bit flat, if you can tell by <laughs> my voice. And I can't go to beers with back chat. That's a little bit why we did put it on a Tuesday. We thought it might just be a nice little day. Just, I'm not trying to make it. We're going on a bender. I mean, we can no, no, involved no. to that if we like. No, we, I mean, if I get home at 3 a.m., it's going to be rough. You'll be up soon, won't you? Yeah, will be up soon. But I think that's a perfect opportunity for you to say, um, wife, partner, babe, whatever you you know you say, um, it's your friend's birthday. You go. I I want you to go. I'm going to go to beers the back chat. You go have a, a great time. I'll, I'll see you later. I feel for you, Brucey. Mm. I'm sad we didn't see. We'll do it again. We'll I'm do it sad again. we didn't see you at beers the back chat. What we got here, Dan? Okay, this is from Ian. He says, "Can we get a shout out to the Bridgetown Football Club?" Back-to-back premiers in the Lower Southwest Football League, and they're going for a three-peat this year. Shout out, Bridgetown Football Club. What's up? After probably going through a pretty shitty time with fires and stuff yeah. down there. Well done, boys and girls. I'm and back in the three-peat. Love that. Yep. Up to Bridgetown. All right, this is a big one. Been looking forward to reading this. Connor Morrissey, you've... Look, we've, we've been saying that, Benny Boy, we haven't read yours out. Look, Connor just scraped under the content... Time yeah. limit for us. If you had a gone couple more numbers here, we wouldn't have got to it. But you know okay. what? You send it, we read it. G'day, Scoey. Long time listener here. I've ranked Hi Dan. Yeah, that's that's cool. Hey Connor, my chopped what do they say? Chopped liver. Yes, you are. Here. You look a bit like that. I've ranked my top fifty Eagles players ever. Wow. It's not based on best player ever, but which player do you look back on most and say, Thank God they were a West Coast player? I'm not necessarily looking for a you send that we read it. Shout out. Well, you've already got here, mate. But more just keen to know what you think of the list and the concept. Full disclosure, I'm not old enough to have seen our full history at Southland West Coast in 2004. Okay. Thanks for the great content over the years and great defending on Jordan Degoe. You're bloody welcome, Connor Okay, Morrissey. So here's some of the criteria that Connor has put together. So one, on-field, which takes into account their impact, longevity. Are they a premiership player? Moments they've done. Big, yeah. big moments, like Lewis Jetta with scoring the goal, celebrating like so Cristiano in the Ronaldo. top 50, I suppose. We'll, yep. we'll see. Uh, another one, culture, which takes into account the leadership, impact on teammates, legacy left, inspiring new ideas and innovation, which is a uh, big uh, one I love. Uh, and this is Connor, improving uh, I, I cohesion. Don't, I don't know how. <laughs> I mean, if you get some insight into inspiring new ideas and innovation, well it. done. Yep. External impact takes into account fan engagement. Good. Which is a good one. Uh, bringing people through the gates and getting the crowd excited when they go near the ball wow. and contributes to team image marketability. So that's that's the criteria. Yes. So I'm I think it's read fair. You. And it's There's a lot of good a, things. It's better than a best and fairest. Yeah. Like imagine if it's they did a the best marketing. and fairest. Yeah, well, imagine they did a best and fairest on this. But 
someone other than a midfielder might win it. Can we send this to Nizzy and see what he thinks? See what we can do. Okay. Top 50. So this is we the top here. 50. We've got it here, but I'm not going to read all top 50. No. But I'm going to give you first the top five, and then we'll pick out some... Uh, some why, why don't we just, just, just um, build it up for the people, mate? Do you, wanna, do you want to start right. from 50? Yeah, let's go down to 51. We've got a 51 in the top 50, okay. which I love. Nathan Vardy, 51. Yep. I love that Vardy's in the top 50 plus one players of all time. Did he, he came over from Geelong, right? Yeah, he did. 2017-2018, we won four out of five finals. In each win, Vardy took on that year's All-Australian Ruckman mm-hmm. and won each of those battles other than the 2018 qualifying final. Plenty of huge moments in the, 20, in the 2017 elimination final and 2018 grand final. Couldn't leave him out because we simply don't win the flag number four without Stepped him. Stepped up when Nick Nanui went down. Yep, I agree. I'll yeah, give you some people that have missed out on this before we get to the rest. So Michael Gardner's missed out. Tyson Stengler, Matty Rosa, ex-team on my Chris Marston's missed out. Huge. Oh, there you go. Scotty Cummins, talking about huge. He's missed out. Ryan Ash- Turnbull, Ash- number 50. There you go. Ashley Hansen's missed out. Scotty Selwood, he was a vice-captain at one stage of this footy club. Mitch White, former number 31. Scotty Lysett, another Ruckman, so he's taking value out of Lysett. Went past Fraser Garrick. Oh, my boy. I missed him in Under That Mullet. I missed the G train. Definitely Fraser want Garrick. Fraser Garrick on the pod. Current day players who missed out. Tim Kelly, Liam Duggan, Oscar Allen. He thinks they need a few more years. Let's go up from 51 and take some interesting ones, okay. I reckon, Dan. So, Daniel Chick, speaking of weird things with um, their hands... <laughs> Was missing half a ring finger. Yeah, cut it off. Instead of getting surgery and missing eight weeks, he just cut his yep. finger off and played two days later. <laughs> That's no joke. Yeah, yep. He injured in finals Thursday. You either have surgery and you cannot touch a football for eight to ten weeks. You miss finals, miss everything. Or we'll just chop it off. He looked the surgeon in the eye and said, we're chopping it off now. Went straight to the surgery, chopped his finger off, played two days later. There you go. Oh, man. Dom Sheed. 46. Kicked, kicked a crazy Big goal. Moment. Still young. Probably can move his way up a little bit, I think. Yep. We've got to mention Will Schofield at 43 because you're here. Big culturally and played plenty of excellent footy. Best beard in the club and worst hairline. Ah, perfect. Uh, I think you're missing <laughs> Mr. Shannon. Yeah. Um, but oh. how, well, let's, where do you feel? That 43 is pretty, pretty high. I'm happy to get into 50 for sure. I'm the best players ever for a club, number 43. Well, if he's put Vardy at 51, they don't win the flag without Vardy. Well, they certainly don't win it without me. So there you go. Yep, there you go. Do you want me to be honest about it? Didn't uh, think so. Jack Darling's in at 38. He could yep. be sliding straight off the scale if he <laughs> continues his behaviour over the last uh, couple Lewis of weeks. Jetta, 37. Fair. Huge. Sammy Butler just in before him. Another guest to the podcast, 36. 35, Chad Fletcher. There you go. Well, bang, bang, bang. And we only miss one, David Weirer, before we get to 33, Tom Brass. It was a great episode. And I've had multiple people tell me best episode of a podcast I've ever heard of Tom Brass, which is great. Oh, you can wow. listen to it. Okay. Uh, I, I just almost don't want to miss anyone. Quinton Lynch. Lynchy. A cult figure through the glove off the crowd goes well, kicks goals. There you go. We're going to win Anyone you want to mention? Uh, Eric McKenzie, 24. Beautiful man. Yep, that, that's true. Just Andrew Ambley. Andrew Ambley, 21. I reckon that's a bit stiff. I think he's probably higher than that, to be really honest. Norm Smith medal. Um, like up there in top five games played for the club. Yep. Did a lot. On and off the field. I'll say Matt Pritis at 17. Won a Brownlow medal. How many Eagles players have won Brownlow medals? In the leadership group a lot of his time. Uh, three? three? Yes. And he's 17. I'd bring him up a little bit, but that's okay. Peter Sumich, 14. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to slide him down a little bit, Summer, I reckon. Um, he's wait. a very, 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 very good player, Peter Sumich. Number seven, Chris Judd. Would have been number one with another four to five seasons, which is yeah, a good he, point. Yeah, he left. Yeah. He abandoned ship, so he's gone. Then we give him the top 10, but just red. 
plus one. Luke Shuey at 11. Shannon Hearn, 10. So captain, captain, nine. John Worsfold, captain. Coach. Jeremy Jeremy McGovern, eight, captain uh, for a little bit, one or two games. Uh, Chris Judd, captain. Six, Glenn Jakovic. Beast. Yeah, big beast. You don't want to put him any lower. He'd be Dean he'd Cox at dinner. number five. Potentially one of the greatest Ruckman to ever do it. The fact that Dean Cox is at five probably says something a little bit about West Coast. Like, he, he would be number one for most clubs around the yep, AFL. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Josh Kennedy, number four. Still yep. going too, the old bastard. Number three, Peter Matera, Indigenous player. Um, Rue, his nickname was Rue. Peter Matera. So did a lot both on, off the field. Had some superb moments, especially in finals. Couldn't go Pretty past awesome. him. Pretty awesome, yeah, yep. Darren Glass, awesome number player. two, captain. Didn't captain a premiership, but was a captain for a long period of time, especially after a bit of a tumultuous period for the footy club. Yep. Um, Darren Glass, leader, on, off. Pretty pretty high, really, considering he doesn't have any... He doesn't have a Brownlow, he doesn't have a Norm Smith. Preston Ferris? He'd be up. He would have been top three at least. Oh, yeah, definitely. I just, I'm sure he won one. I'm sure he won a Preston yep. Ferris. Number one, who have we missed? Ben Cousins. I'm just worried. Daniel Kerr, he was at 12. Uh, ben Cousins, Cousins, number one, would come first based on any of the three criterias, being external impact, culture, or on-field. His elite work ethic lives on through those he inspired. Prudus learn off him, Shuey, Gaff, Kerr. Yeah, that's also very true. And a lot of players, a lot of these players on this list would have been playing as, as um, and just watching him. Inspiring. He played at Richmond too, so perhaps we can ask this man coming up, Matty Richardson, what he thought of Ben Cousins. Very good. Let's do it. All righty, straight into it. We are joined here, I was going to say in studio, but we, as you said, Dan, we don't quite have the budget uh, just <laughs> yet on Backchat to be flying our guests. We are joined by the great Matthew Richardson. G'day, Richo. G'day, Scoey. How are you going, mate? I'm good, mate. Richo, meet Dan. Dan, Richo. Hello. Dan. Hello, hey, Dan. How I are promise. You? Yeah, good, good. We'll get you that chartered flight next time. Once yeah, we pick up right. a bit. Can I get it? Am I allowed into WA yet? I think I am now, right? <laughs> no, I don't know. You're going to have to write to our Premier. Um, <laughs> Premier Putin. Uh, I mean, Premier Miguel. <laughs> now, uh, Richo, I want to start with a little bit of pre-context for our listeners and you, Dan. I haven't told you this. So when I was a kid, mm. uh, all of my footy as a sort of a four, five, six-year-old was played with two girls across the road who now live in Western Australia. This is back in Geelong. Okay. They were avid Richmond Tigers supporters. So there okay. was a period in my life, a Geelong boy, grown up in Geelong, who all I used to be when I was playing on the front yard, kicking goals, Matty Richardson. Yeah, good. All right. So Richo was my guy. And I even I was even close enough to becoming a Richmond fan. I went to a game at the MCG, Geelong v. Richmond. I bought, I bought and wore a Richmond scarf. I was watching guys like Matty Knights, Wayne Campbell, the Gale brothers, Duncan Calloway, Richmond was my my team. So to have you here, Richo, I'm I'm bloody pumped. You're my childhood dream. <laughs> oh, Scully, well, that that's something I didn't know, mate. Thanks uh, for sharing that. The most surprising part of that story is that you're actually kicking goals when you're pretending <laughs> to meet me on the front lawn. Normally, Nat Fife uh, told a similar story when he was a, a kid and he was a Richmond supporter, and 
he reckoned he kept hitting the tree, which was the uh, point post. That sounded a little bit more familiar to me, but uh, I didn't know that, it. mate, that you followed the Tigers for a brief period. I did. If I was missing them, I must have been modelling my game off you. You were, you were prone to a few misses <laughs> through your career. That's what I'm saying. I'm surprised you were kicking goals. Well, you were mimicking what I was doing. Now, all jokes aside, you are the 12th leading goal, uh, le- 12th highest goal scorer in the history of our great game. So, mm. look, you had some famous misses, but when it's all said and done, you kicked a few goals in your time kicked 800 goals exactly throughout your career now before we get to that I want to do footy I want to do yeah. Matt Richardson the footy player Matt Richardson the media personality but we ask every guest we ever have on back chat the same question and it's usually the first question ah uh, look we all know what you've done in the footy field we, you know you're a great footy player congratulations but we've all been there who, that, yeah, who hasn't yeah. who hasn't done that <laughs> I, I want to know outside of football What's your greatest ever sporting achievement? You can't, you can't bring us to the footy Ooh. field. You must have done different sports growing up. We've had some, well, honestly, some very good achievements from our sporting It's going to be hard to, to top them. You want to give him some examples? We've um, Andrew Bogut, poker yeah. player. I, I don't even know the guy. I don't Phil Helmuth. Phil Helmuth. So Andrew Bogut beat Phil Helmuth in a game. But yep. we had Tom Hawkins was an uh, under-16 high jump champion. Myself, I was an under-9s hurdling champion. Dan Venables. Right. He won the 80-metre hurdles as well. Have you got anything in that realm for us? Oh, look, nothing substantial, but I, did, I, I was a good cross-country runner. Yes. I, did, uh, I did win all of the cross-country running at high school, and then we, we went to uh, Inter High, it was called. So you went and raced against the other high schools on the northwest coast of Tassie. And, yeah, that was my strong point. I guess that's something I, I rated pretty highly. I loved basketball. It mm-hmm. just, it, everyone's made a state team, though, and particularly in Tassie, everyone makes a state team down there. But <laughs> you so I'll go with the cross-country, Scully. I'll go with the cross-country champion. I'm happy with that one. Everyone's made a state team, haven't they, Dan? Look, I've, <laughs> I've won men, men's C grade on a Monday night at Loftus Rec Centre. I've won. I'm a champion there, but I've never made the state team. Every time I say I made a Tasmanian state basketball team, people sort of scoff at it because they think it was, it, it's not as easy as everyone thinks to make a state team. In You're Tasmania. born into it, aren't you? Yeah, well, yeah, that's what everyone thinks. So, no, I'll, I'll, I'll go with the cross country running, Scoey. I love my running. No, that's very good. I'll take cross country. So, where did footy start for Matt Richardson? You're a Tasmanian. Uh, yeah. You were kicking the footy like me in the front yard in Tassie. Yeah, we didn't probably have the options that a lot of kids have now. There's so many options for kids uh, in primary school now and the things they want to do. But yeah, growing up in Tassie, it was it was uh, cricket in summer, footy in winter, a bit of basketball in between and look my dad played at Richmond in the 60s um, and he was involved in the local footy club uh, East Devonport which was uh, you know a good torpy from our our front yard so I was always around the footy clubs so yeah just started there um, in the juniors and and went right through and it was it was always my number one sport although I did love basketball for a time there but I was always going to end up being a footballer I think. What, what are some of the memories of playing in Tasmania? I'm assuming the 8am starts for a junior footy player yeah. down there, double jumpers, the warm <laughs> water in the uh, plugs as you come back in to get the hands going again. Yeah exactly mate it, it was cold down there at times there's no doubt about that. I remember a ground in Hobart KG5 Oval um, playing under 19s down there and uh, Devonport's about a four-hour bus ride because you'd stop halfway and, and, and get something to eat and you'd, you'd leave Devonport at 4.30 in the morning, get down to Hobart at 8.30. Uh, the snow on Mount Wellington, the wind blowing off the top of Mount Wellington, and this ground KG5 had the cricket pitch in the middle. So when it got muddy, it, basically there were big divots out of the ground, right, where people <laughs> put their knees in or, you know, running across. 
Now, we walked out this particular morning and all the divots basically had frozen water in them. That's how cold it was at KG5. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was a different experience to what people in WA would grow up with. Scoey, you would have had some cold ones in Geelong, but I reckon that would have been the coldest morning at the footy. It was just about snowing there. <laughs> That's, That's a hectic snow and ice. You would have been sliding yeah. around with the, with the studs. Can I just bring you back to basketball for a sec? Because I, yeah. I know NBL's finally got a Tassie team. Um, yeah. And with your basketball roots, what's your thoughts on the jack jumpers? Is that like from someone over here in WA, I've got no idea what a jack jumper is. But you as a Tassie boy, is that like, are you proud of that? Proud of the NBL team or proud of the, the name? name? The name. <laughs> I look. I'm getting used to it. I must admit, when I first taught, heard it, I, I don't really know what a jack jumper is, to be honest. <laughs> um, but they went through the process, and that's what they've come up with. But what I do know is that the public's loving it down there. It's not the first time we've had an NBL team. There was a team from Launceston called Casino City. Look it up in the early '80s. <laughs> right. Casino City, which was Launceston. It was when the uh, Launceston Country Club Casino was first built. I think they only lasted two or three years. But I think they at least made an NBA, uh, an NBL final. So they may not have won it, but they definitely made the finals. Good and then we had the Tassie Devils with Steve Carfino down in yes. Hobart. So it's actually the third uh, carnation of uh, an NBL team. And I think this one's going to last. Talking about Tasmanian teams, I mean, maybe we should call Tasmania the Vegas of Australia. That's what they call Tas Vegas. <laughs> Tas Vegas, very good. Uh, can How many people would have guessed there was a team out of Tassie called Casino City? <laughs> That's a trivia question. That's How good it is. Do, can, can, I mean, it's topical. Can uh, Tasmania maintain an AFL team? Do you think, can they, can they do it? Is it feasible? They, they should have one. Yeah, they should have one, Scoey. No doubt about that. I mean, if you look at the... The great players in the history of this game, I, you know, you, the names that roll off the tongue from Tassie, Ian Stewart, Royce Hart, Daryl Baldock, Peter Hudson, you know, then you've got the Rewalts now, Michael Roach. Um, there's been so many great players um, out of Tasmania. It's a grassroots uh, footy area. Um, you know, it's the heartland of AFL, heartland of AFL Aussie rules footy. So they should have a team. If you want a national competition, Tassie's got to have a team. Everyone always argues about the economics and, and can they support a team? Well, I think the government would make sure of that. So, look, I think in the next five, six years, it, it seriously is on the table now with the AFL Commission and I think they should have one, yeah. Is there enough depth in the competition to sustain an extra team or is it the case mm. of someone merging down there? No, I think it'll have to be a new team. I don't think Tasmania will cop a merged team down there anymore. I think the public want their own team. So if that was the case, it'd be a new licence. Then I guess you got the talk then, is there enough talent to uh, spread through another franchise or another AFL team? Probably not at the moment. I think it's probably getting a little bit thin as it is. So that'll be the big question. But just the pure question of do they deserve a team? Yes, they do, definitely. And also, like, the, the they get a big crowd over when I think it's the North Melbourne and... Um, and Hawthorne. Hawthorne head down there. So you'd have enough local support and, and people. It's not like it's just people following other teams that would get around to games. No, I mean, everyone in Tassie does barrack for a team. There's no doubt about that. But look, I think when they get their own team, they'll, if they don't switch over, they'll, they'll at least, you know, support the Tassie team as well. And I think eventually, you know, whatever AFL team they did follow, whether it be Carlton or the Eagles or the Crows or whoever it is, I think they would actually eventually fall into the into the wayside and uh, they'd support their own team for sure. Would you support the uh, Casino City 
name again? <laughs> well, I did. I did. I remember as a kid uh, driving down to the Launceston uh, Velodrome and watching Casino City play. So, yes, I would support them. There we go. They've heard it here first. Matt Richardson <laughs> says the team out of Tasmania should be called the, ca- the Casino <laughs> City. Richard, you kick. Look them up, guys. I really want you to look that team up. Oh, don't, okay. don't worry. I will be. Um, Charlie, there you go on that, please. Now, Richo. You kicked 800 goals exactly over 282 games. You played as a key forward for pretty much all of that, other than when you decided to have a run-up on the wing and almost win the Brownlow. But uh, how did the key forward position change in your time of the game? Because when you were playing, it certainly changed from when you started to when it Mm. finished. Oh, absolutely it did. Look, there was no doubt... Uh, back when I first started, it was it was pretty much you stayed out on the ground for 100% of the time. Uh, all players, not not just the forward line. You know, you had midfielders that stayed out there for most of the game as well. There were only about 20 interchanges when I first started. So it really was a war of endurance and attrition, I guess, Scoey. And you, you played on someone for the whole game. And when I first started, there were some great full backs around and centre-half backs. And basically, you, you lined up on them at the start of the game and you you pretty much knew you were going to be standing side by side at the end of the game. And it was just going to be who could play the better footy, who was probably fitter, who could run more, you know, who was strongest. So it really did evolve. It was a one-on-one game. Um, You know, if you got your opponent one-on-one in the goal square, you could have a fair one-on-one battle without the third man in coming in. There certainly was no zoning or no zone defence. So look, that evolved greatly. I remember the first time I played against any sort of zone defence was at the MCG and it was when Clarkson first brought it in, I reckon it was around, look, it was around 2007, I yep. reckon, Scoey, around yep. that time. I remember standing inside the 50 and looking around and there were Hawthorne defenders spaced out around me, but no one playing on me. And I thought, how good's this? And I've got no one standing on me. And then every time I went for the ball, they just all swamped on me. And, and that was sort of when it started changing to this more, you know, team defence and helping each other out. So, um, yeah, it certainly did evolve over that uh, 16 or 17 years. And I've got no doubt now, look, it, it may appear that players, it looks a little bit easier at times if you're standing there and there's, there's no one on you. But uh, it's a lot harder, I think, to get, to, to get marks inside 50 and, and get shots on goal. So I think that's why we're not seeing, you know, the big bags of goals anymore. Speaking of the one-on-one battles, who was the hardest defender that you ever came up against? Who was the guy that you were just sort of dreading every time you had to go out there? I want to know who the bunny is too. I want yeah, to know also who... your bunny. <laughs> I don't like uh, I, I don't like doing that mentioning bunnies, but I, look, there were, gee, there were some good ones. I mean, my first opponent was Danny Frawley, but then you had Stephen Silvani and Mick Martin. You know, Alastair Lynch was playing fullback back at the time against the Eagles. You know, you had. If you were playing centre-half forward, um, you had Jacko. If you went down to full-back, you had Ashley McIntosh, who I think was one of the most underrated. Well, he's probably not underrated within the Eagles and in Western Australia, but probably over here in Melbourne. He doesn't get mentioned a lot as far as the great defenders go. Um, he was great. Ashley's really quick and really strong. Um, Andrew Dunkley from from the Sydney Swans. And then, you know, he went up to Brisbane and they had Lepich and Mal Michael and guys like this. So... So many good fullbacks across the competition. Um, Richo. Yeah, and I was lucky enough to play on them. Richo, I know yeah. you're a nice guy. You're a humble man. All right. And I am too. But let's let's be honest. You had someone who used to kick a lot of goals on it, and we want his name. <laughs> oh, just give us his last uh, name or his first name. I don't yeah, know. Or both. <laughs> Look, I'll give you one story. Again, against Essendon. Thank you. Uh, when was it? It was late sort of 2000s, maybe 2006, seven. I walked out at the start of the game, and I'm expecting... Dustin Fletcher to come play on me or Sean Wellman. Best defenders. And 
yeah, great defenders, very, very good defenders. And um, with all due respect, Kepler Bradley stood next to me. And I hadn't seen Kepler before and he hadn't played on me. So at quarter time, I had four goals. And I remember going to the huddle and I'm thinking, well, that's that's probably going to be the end of um, Kepler. I think Sheeds will probably move Fletch over now or Welly. Um, anyway, I got to half time and it, I had six goals and I thought that's the end. Uh, at half time, I'm starting to think Fletcher again. Um, I walk out and Kepler was still there. So we get to three quarter time and I had eight goals. And <laughs> I'm thinking this surely can't go on for the last quarter. Anyway, it did. So I ended up with nine, but uh, Sheets left him there the whole game. So, Poor guy. Oh, what a stitch up. Brutal. Yeah. So I don't know what was going on there, but I sent Sheeds a Christmas card at the end of that year. All the um, no, I didn't. I don't really think I ever had a bunny. Um, yeah, Keppel Bradley. Some, I guess if I guess if you beat someone pretty convincingly, they're probably not going to play on you again the next time you you come around. So true. Yeah, I don't don't really have one that I played on consistently. All of those um, big backmen that you were talking about were really like real men. You know, they're like when yeah. you look back at the footage, they're like you know, the real, the dads, you know, that just like the strong and, you know, they didn't look like these sort of elite footballers, but they would have built like bricks. Um, they were. Speaking of sort of backs that maybe weren't men, um, do you have any memories of <laughs> playing on SCOE and um, maybe the, the times that you faced off? Uh, we did We did have a couple of tussles, me and SCOE. We played and once. I was getting, yeah. Apparently, apparently we played once. I had to look back Is on that this. that it? Yeah, apparently we played once. Round 20, was at, 2007. Was that at Subi or at the G? Apparently West Coast won, so it probably says it was at Subi because we <laughs> don't yeah. win at the G very often. <laughs> Look, I, I do remember playing on you. It's hard to remember, remember a real specific moment, and the reason being we only played on each other once. But I'll tell you who I had a lot of trouble with was Darren Glass yes. from the Eagles. Yes. How good was he? He, well, I'm, I mean, he taught me everything I know, basically. Yeah. I don't say that often, but pretty much everything to do with positioning and early body work, he was, and you, yeah. can, you, can, you can tell it, the listeners, Richo, he was the best in the business at that, his early work to get you in a yeah. position where you just couldn't do anything. Yeah, he, I, I don't know, he just had little... He wasn't tricks. holding you, but he just did had little subtleties that you couldn't... You thought you were going to get away from him and you just couldn't do it and... I think Darren Gasper, who played at Richmond, did the same thing. Gas didn't look quick, but no one ever got away from him. And he just had this little thing where he put two two fingers just on their hip just before they led, and he just pulled back on their hip just subtly, but it just threw everything out. And and that's what Glass that's he a, had. It was he he was some sort of martial arts expert, wasn't he? That, that is such a, that's so interesting to hear from an opposition player who would never have spoken to Darren Glass outside of footy. Darren Glass's number one thing he taught me was the hip grab. So yeah, you get two 100%. or three fingers right on that hip bone and you pull yeah. it. And as a yeah. forward, you lose your balance and power. And it, it's not a hold, but you completely no. misstep. And it's like you forget yeah. how to run for a couple of steps and then you're right, right on them again. And, that, and that's where you get that break. That's the initial break that you needed as a forward on the lead. And, and I couldn't get that on Glassy. He was always on me. And, and as I said, Darren, Darren Gasper did the same thing for us at Richmond. He was an, an All-Australian two years in a row. And you looked at Gas at training and you just thought, how's he keep up with these um, guys? But he did it every week. And it was because of those subtleties. I remember where I was having a wrestle with Glassy in the goal square one day at Subiaco. And he had me in some sort of judo um, hold, and I was in massive trouble. I remember looking down the ground, and my teammate, Kane Pettifer, was about 30 metres away, and I sort of was trying to yell out and say, Pets, get down here. 
help me out. I'm in massive trouble here. <laughs> so Pets come steaming down towards me, and I thought, oh, he's going to just get glassy off me and I can regain my composure. What do you reckon Pets did? Nothing. He need me straight in the temple and knock me out. No. <laughs> I yelled out for him to come down and help me and help me get out of this wrestle with Glassy and he needs me in the temple and knocks me out. Maybe deep down he did help you, Richo. You didn't have to put up with that much longer, <laughs> did you? No, I didn't. I probably needed to get off the ground that day. No, I'm glad you, you mentioned that, uh, Scoey. He was a master, uh, Glassy. Speaking of Glassy, he was a glove wearer, wasn't he? No. Did he wear a glove in the back? No, there's only, no. Uh, that was Lynchy. What are you saying no, about in the back glove line. wearers? Well, I want to ask you about the glove wearing because you're you're yeah. obviously pro glove wearer. Well, I only it happened for a reason. Yeah, but you, you kept was, it longer was, than you. I was against it. I was really against it because a marking player I took, um, I, I really looked up to was Stephen Kernahan, and I remember Sticks mentioning one day about you know players wearing gloves and you shouldn't do it, and he was one of the great marks of all time, Sticks. So. I thought, I'm never going to wear a glove. If Sticks isn't going to wear a glove, I'm not. But then I broke my wrist one day down at Geelong. And, you know, I lost a lot of strength in my arm having the operation on my wrist. I was out for three or four weeks and I came back and I was just really weak in the hands, particularly that the right arm where I'd had the operation. I just couldn't mark the ball for the first two or three games back. I just lost strength in my hand. And I thought, I've got to just put a glove on for a few weeks here till I get things back in order. Anyway, I started taken a few marks the next few weeks and then it became superstitious so I wore it for the rest of my career it was only the last three or four years but um yeah I did get used to it at that point the glove the Travis glove. Travis Cloak put one on one day and he took 27 contested yeah. marks in one game and they banned it for <laughs> everyone forever it. have you seen if you feel those wide receiver gloves that they wear in the NFL I mean that is the performance enhancing yes it's basically like a it's almost like a glue on the surface isn't it and you see why these guys take the one-handers they do in the NFL. There's no way known you could have those in the AFL. No, and you couldn't kick. So the, those yeah, wide right. receiving, you can't actually get the ball out of your hands. Like yeah. it yeah. comes into it pretty easily. You can't get it out, so you can't handball. Or you know, I couldn't handball very well anyway, but I certainly didn't uh, wear a glove when I was playing. Richo, talking about skills in the AFL, goal kicking, something that you knew a yeah. little bit about. As I said earlier, you did have some famous misses from quite close, but that's okay. We all make mistakes. <laughs> goal, goal kicking... In general, it, it hasn't improved yeah. as a skill over the journey. Um, mm. Why do you think that is? Because it is a closed skill. Uh, there, there is, yeah. you know, there is ex- external issues such as fatigue or crowd noise or yeah. scoreboard, but it's a closed skill. Why do you think that hasn't improved? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Look, it's basically because most of it's up in your head. I think. Yep. I mean, um, as you said, you've got crowd noise. You've got, you know, you've got obviously the opposition, you've got the situation of the game, the scoreboard pressure that can, can come down on you. Um, but it's it's all in your head. And I think it's the guys that can block out that noise in their head that are, are the good goal kickers. I think you can alleviate that by having a really strong routine. Um, and probably wasn't until my last five years where I, I really did. Now, whether I had a shank or I, or I had a bad ball drop, I did have the same routine as far as steps and momentum into the footy went. Um but it took me a long time to find that and become really comfortable with it. And I think I did become more consistent once I developed that strong routine. I had a high ball drop and I could never get that right over my career. So that meant if the wind was there or, you know, there were other factors that that could affect me. But at least I knew I, I was doing the same amount of steps. I had the same momentum through the ball, the same pace through it. Um, but, yeah, I just think a lot of guys let it get to them mentally. When, the, when they're having a shot at goal, you, they get the yips. It's like it's like basketball, the, the shooting 
uh, the free throws and it's like, you know, you get the yips putting. Um, it's mostly in your head, I think, and that's probably why it's never going to get better unless players can learn to master the the mind and that that seems like it's pretty hard to do. I'm a true backman and on this podcast I've said multiple times especially in front of your Kennedys, your Darlings, those sort of players that goal kicking is all luck Richo. I've come to the conclusion (laughs) that you blokes the amount amount that you forwards practice and you kick on goal and you've got your routine and you do this and that I mean it's just luck if it goes in or not. Like that's as that's as much of a conclusion as, as I can make yeah. because everyone's trying to kick it through the big sticks. No, but. Exactly. I mean, I, I, you know, and they say practice. You know, and I'd go out with a bag of balls on my day off, and you know, have my fifty or sixty shots a goal. And if I didn't go at eighty percent every single training session, you know, for most of my career, then I'll go. Hey, like you just do because you haven't got the pressure of the scoreboard, you haven't got the crowd, you haven't got you know, at the opposition players out there. So for me, it was purely my head when I missed it. You know, occasionally it might have been something else, the conditions, if it was windy or wet. But normally it was me thinking negatively in my mind and generally, you know, that would happen. And I just needed to kick my first one and then I felt a lot better most of the time. You're um, a prolific goal kicker, so the the behinds are just more amplified. You know, if you'd only kicked 20 goals in your career, when you hit a post in the in the goal square, it wouldn't matter. But it's just because yeah. you kick so... And I'm trying to make if light, you, you know, positive of the situation. That's why your bad misses look so bad, because you're such a good goal kicker. Well, I guess if you're having more shots at goal, you've got more chances to miss, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. so, and that, I think Michael Jordan said something along those lines. Yeah. Although the one thing I did notice, if you go down... To, I don't know if you've heard... I've, I've said this many times over the years, and I'm just going to keep saying it because I believe it. If you go down to your local primary school and they've got the goalposts up, right, you look how short they are, right? Yes. You go back, they are not intimidating at all. You go back, you kick nine out of ten goals at the local primary school from 30 metres out straight in front. You go to an AFL ground, you look how tall those goalposts are. And they got taller after Anthony Rocker had that controversial decision in the 2002, I think, grand final. Yes. Remember that yes. decision? Mm. Yes. The next, the very next year, I don't know how much taller the AFL made the goalposts, but substantially taller. And who played the first game the next year? We did, Richmond and Collingwood. <laughs> I was the first guinea pig full forward to have these new high goalposts. I remember out there in the warm-up that day, I'm looking at them going, these things look closer together. Like they, The higher <laughs> they go up, you think about it, the yeah, closer they get. Physics. It's like looking down a train line. Scoey, you, you look straight down the train line. It's like they get closer together the further away. That was like these goalposts. They just—that was my theory that they got the further they go up, the closer together they get. And I got intimidated by them. You were scared by the posts. You were scared by I the goalposts. That's fine. I was intimidated by them. <laughs> you you were also um, involved in a game with some quite um, uh, noteworthy behinds. Tactics. Um, tactics. Yeah, two thousand and eight Essendon game. Um, Joel Bowden. Yeah, brushing those behinds. I um, recall, sort of recall this because I watched the video today again, and I'm like, oh yeah, that actually happened. Do you remember after the game? Was that talked about at all? Because it was obviously sort of controversial at the time. Then they, you know, some rule changes came in. Do you remember much of that game and, and that happening? I, I do remember it happening, and it didn't surprise me with Joel. He was that was the sort of guy he was. He was a bit of a lateral thinker at times, and. That was the sort of thing that he could come up with. And he thought through it pretty well, didn't he? He exploited a, a rule. Um, well, he exploited the rule as it was at the time. And and fair enough. We, I don't think you'd want to see that happen again. But the rule was there to be exploited at the time. We needed to win the game and, and he did it. But I, I do remember after that game, it was a massive talking point on all of the 
um, all of the footy shows and the radio talkback uh, shows on Monday and, and during the week. So it was it's not a great look for the game, and I, I am glad they've changed that rule now. He liked getting a kick too, Joel Bowden, if I remember correctly. I used to play Dream Team back in the day, still do. Oh, he was um, a good pa- Dream Team. Patrick and Joel used to just kick it, kick it back and back. It was like kick to kick down the back line. <laughs> B1 and B2. It was that Patrick was Joel's brother, so yeah. he just kicked yeah. it back and Get forth between you. Pad some stats. How many, how many points did he rush that day? Was it three or four? It was two in a row, two in like 20 seconds two. or something. Yeah, but it was, right. it was about 35 seconds on the clock, and Nesson were yeah. peppering. I mean, uh, so that kicked a point, and then he rushed two more. Yeah. Hawthorne, Hawthorne did it in a grand final, so it's not just Joel's yeah. fault. No, 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 not singling him out. Um, Richo... Look, you're, you're prone a little bit as well, and I, I don't mean to be negative, but you're prone to a few meltdowns on the field. I've seen a bit of footage uh, back in the day. I don't remember them particularly, but I uh, saw some meltdowns at uh, opposition players, at the umpires, uh, yeah. probably at your coaches, probably even your own teammates and fans at some stages. Yeah. Did, did you suffer from white line fever a little bit? Because you seem like a good I bloke. Did. I <laughs> did, like but yeah, I was, <laughs> I was a peanut at times. I, I must admit that. Um, yeah, I, I did, I think. But I, I just came from competitiveness and wanting to, to do well. A lot of the time, a lot of my frustration at times was at myself. You know, if I didn't think I was playing as good as I wanted to or, you know, I did something, you know, that, you know, let the team down or I let myself down. So, and it, But then a lot of the time it was at the umpires and, of course, occasionally it was at teammates. And it wasn't good enough. It was I actually ended up, it wasn't until I was about 29 until I actually went and, I sort of went and did this leadership course, a one-on-one course, and you know, just spoke about a lot of different things with this with this mentor of mine. And he said to me, "What do you want to What do you want to be remembered at at the end of your career?" And it was at a time where I was sort of copping a bit in the media for probably how I was carrying on on the ground, and I was probably on the verge of sort of almost probably leaving Richmond, and not not on my own accord, but they were probably starting to think about moving me on. So I went and said to this guy, I said, look, I just want to change the perception of me by the end of my career. Um, and I think after that, I ended up channeling that emotion into a more positive sort of sort of way out on the ground. And I played more consistent footy off the back of it. But yeah, I don't know why it took me so long, probably 10 or 11 years. But yeah, it was just just frustration at times. It didn't look good, and I'm not proud of a lot of it looking back at it now. That's an interesting word you use, perception, Rich. I want to hear it from one of the greats of the game. Was that something you battled with throughout your career? I mean, you said that Richmond's yeah. you know, looking to get rid of you at stages because of a perceived uh, thought of well, the way you were. Yeah, look, it, probably, it, probably, it could be the wrong word. I mean, it probably it wasn't a perception. It was a reality a lot of the time. But a lot of I did want to change the idea, the idea that I thought people thought I was a bit of a sook and probably little bit of an under underachiever at times so um I think I did that I think I was respected by the end of my career and I you know I've been able to stay involved in the game so I think I was able to do that but um I think maligned's a bit of a word I, I guess I did feel a bit maligned at times I mean you're playing in a team that you know we, a lot of people probably look at Richmond through my time and I think they think we finished near the bottom every year, which we didn't do. You know, we were a competitive team a lot of the time. 11, 12 wins now is a, quite a competitive season. Um, and we did that six or seven years. And it was just frustrating. We were always on the edge of the finals. And I think that added to a lot of uh, frustrations as well. Uh, talking about sort of the way that you perhaps acted a, a bit on the field, did you have anyone in, like, if you did have like a bit of a blowout or something like that, yeah. would there be anyone like sort of pulling you in and say, hey, mate, or, or was it sort of like just get out of your way? Did you have people that were sort of trying to help out with that at the time no. at the club? 
Yeah, there was always someone there. Um, I remember when Leon Cameron came across from the Western Bulldogs. He was a great on-field leader, a very sort of level-headed guy, Leon, and, you know, what he's gone on to do in coaching. Now, I, I just never understand the criticism of Leon. I think he's played in finals five for the last six years, the only coach to do that. But um, he was like a coach on the ground, and Leon was a calming influence on me when he when he came to the club. I, I really respected him. Um yeah, I'll, I'll give you a story where, which probably didn't work out for the, the best. I remember Terry Wallace at one stage um, decided to get someone down to, to help me with my body language. And I thought, oh, this is a good idea. And I got to the club one day and he said, look, Rich, I've got you know this particular gentleman here to talk to you about your body language. And I couldn't wait to see who it was. And so I went out and I said, where is he? He said, he's just sitting down the race there um, at Punt Road Oval. So I walked down the race and I looked around the ground and you know I looked out on the ground I look up in the grandstand I couldn't see anyone there was only one person sitting on the race and it was Brian Taylor right the great VT <laughs> Brian Taylor who had played at Richmond um in the early 80s and then went on to Collingwood obviously and we know Brian you know carried on a bit on the ground had as a well fuse. had a very you. short fuse <laughs> he'd had a short fuse bristle he still does and I looked at BT I said what are you doing here BT and he said I'm your body language coach, Richard. And we just both burst into tears. We said, Terry can't be serious here, surely, can he? So um, that was a short-lived body language coach, the great Brian Taylor. <laughs> we couldn't. Just... We actually did go in and watch um, my DVD from the weekend, and I'd had a few blow-ups in that game, and we sort of watched it, and then we looked at each other, and we said, I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, I mean, maybe Terry's thinking was, uh, why not get someone who knows how to blow up in the field? And well, that's what, what it was, to do. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's what it was, Scoey. But I, I mean, I was a Richmond supporter as a kid, and I, you know, I watched Brian play in the early '80s, and I, I reckon I actually was sort of half mimicking him as a junior, <laughs> and then I took it into my seat. He was probably the one to blame for it. To be <laughs> I can just imagine a couple of full forwards sitting in a room together watching each other blow up, going, "Nah, it's the <laughs> midfielder's fault. It's nothing to do with us anyway. <laughs> yeah. Let's get going on and kick exactly. some more goals." It's uh, never our fault. Now, Richo, um, I'll tell you a bit more of a serious note with. Grand finals. So you spoke about the success Richmond, you know, did or didn't have at your time at the club. You played in two preliminary finals, 95, 2001. Um, do you look back on your career and, and wish you had an opportunity to compete for a premiership? Because it didn't seem like you had that opportunity. No, no, you're right, Scoey. Look, in 1995, I actually got injured in round nine and I was I was a spectator at that game. And uh, I remember us losing to Geelong out of Waverley. We got pumped, actually, and... I remember driving out of that game. I knew I was coming back the next year. I was only 20 years of age at the time. And I just thought, oh, well, it doesn't matter. We'll play We'll play in one next year. And we didn't play in another final series until 2001, the only final series I played in. So, yeah, hugely disappointing when you look back. And that that's what I meant about being frustrated. I think we finished ninth something like six times in, in my career. And, wow. you know, people would call us ninthmen. And it, it did become a frustration. So... Yeah, look, we just never were quite there. 2001 was a great year. Um, we ended up playing Brisbane in a prelim final up at the Gabba. And look what they went on to achieve. You know, they won that grand final that year and then won the next two and played it played off again in 2004. So they were a great team. That that was as close as we got. The next year, we topped up our list a little bit. Um, we got went out and got some older players from, from other clubs and it just didn't work again the next year. And I ne- never had another opportunity. So... There's no doubt. Look, you know, Scoey, you play football to play in a premiership and it is something that I look back on and, you know, I'm disappointed that I didn't get that opportunity. 
do you, the uh, experience that you're able to have in 2017, you know, somewhat not replicated, obviously, but yeah. uh, give you a, give you a, a great taste of the excitement and passion that was involved yeah. in a Richmond side that won their first premiership in 37 years, and you presented yeah. the cup. It must have been a pretty amazing to be a part of. Yeah, it was. Look, nothing will ever ever. Re- God, I know what it's like to win one, but I mean, it was pretty good being a supporter and sort of half being involved a little bit on the day. It was incredible. I mean. Just about, you know, apart from having the kids and, and the family stuff, I mean, I can't remember a better experience um, being involved in a, a sporting team. And I do work at the club still, so I guess you felt a tiny bit of involvement, but to be out on the ground and to be able to be out there watching the players get the medals and, and giving the cup over and all of that, it was just an incredible, incredible day. And as a mad, look, I'm as mad a Richmond supporter as you get. If you take away the career, I'm a Richmond nuffy tragic supporter so um yeah it was a special day and to be honest I never thought it would happen um I think in the back of my mind I just never thought Richmond would win another one I never even imagined it really you um finished up your career probably just before social media really took hold of everyone's lives and it became just something that everyone was constantly on and, and everyone had an opinion on was there anything that you look back at that you thought oh man we would never would have got away with that today because of you know, the way that social media works, um, anything sort of the way that, you know, you guys even used to hang around at the club or um, at the footy club or um, even just the way that, that players reacted to certain things that, you know, now would just be so amplified on social media. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm really glad that I played when I did. Look, it was a transitional stage from semi-professional right through to, you know, fully professional sport where, where we were getting paid really well and but as you said, we didn't have social media. And look, I, I guess now, it's, I, I feel like you, you probably can't enjoy yourself as much as we probably were able to. You know, we could play and we trained hard. We trained as hard as what the players do now. You know, we did a lot of work. Um, and we, you know, we went out there on game day and you left it all out there. But you could actually go out after the game and pretty much have a beer and, and have a bit of a good time with your friends. I mean, you're young people. Young people love doing that. And we could do that. I don't feel like I missed out on any of that stuff socially. I mean, I had a good social life and, and then we trained hard during the week. And I've got no doubt now, if you um, if you did that now, people with phones, you know, filming you and, you know, maybe you, you were out a bit too late and someone films you and, you know, that probably does end up on Twitter or Instagram or something now and you probably get in strife. The media picks it up. So I don't envy the, the players now. Look, they've got a good life and they earn a lot of money and you're a professional athlete, but... You know, the scrutiny is is there and, you know, they're young people as well and young people like to hang out with their friends occasionally. So, yeah, I, I feel like it, it is a different time now with social media. When you were younger, um, you were getting on Wheel of Fortune. How did that happen? Wheel of Fortune? <laughs> what? Oh, my. Young people That's these days are things. out at clubs, you know, after, after a game and, you know, trying to get seen on a phone. You were just on Wheel of Fortune. You know what? That was the year I did my knee. And I remember my manager um, oh, no. said, what are we going to do? And I said, oh, whatever, let's, whatever you can get me, you know. I wanted to see if I could earn a few extra bucks, you know. I was out injured and I wasn't on good money back then. It wasn't great coin. I was still working in a pub, actually, in Fitzroy, pouring beers a couple of days a week. Wow. So the Rose Hotel, I did, yeah. I poured beers there. So 
I said, I'll see if you can get me a bit extra work. You know, I won't be playing for the rest of the year. And next thing you know, I'm on Wheel of Fortune. You know, they did the celebrity edition of Wheel of Fortune. Jeez, I was shit ass. So. Yeah. You, got a, you got the gnarly pony. Charlie's just putting up some, some video oh. for us as well. You know what? I've gone with the P for Peter at one stage. <laughs> And then it, when you got to the end and, it, you know, it was there to be solved, there was no more letters to be picked. And who would, baby John Burgess goes, now, Richo, do you know, uh, do you know what this phrase is? And I've gone, nah, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it was blatantly man. obvious too. Oh, that's, that's very great. good. So that's while, good by you, Dan. While, while you were trying to, um, to, to make some extra money, did you do – because, like, nowadays pl- footy players jump on social media, they post a photo of themselves at some, you know – um, hotel and they get paid a thousand bucks or whatever for a picture. Were you yeah. doing TV ads and stuff like for local TV when you were trying to get some extra coin? Uh, not uh, no TV ads, I don't think. But uh, we did some did some pretty embarrassing promotional type things. <laughs> we Rick, Ricky Nixon uh, had a had a management agency here in Melbourne. He had a thing called Club Ten, and he had all of the big you know the gun players signed up to it. And I don't know how I was included in this lot, but. Um, you know, Wayne Carey and Dunstall and Lockett and Kudafides and Wanganine and Modra, you know, all of the big names of the time. And it was called Club 10. And Ricky, you know, got a lot of deals signed up with this group of guys. And we actually, we did a Mitre 10 ad, actually. We did a Mitre 10 ad. <laughs> I have to find you, it. You'll probably be able to find it on YouTube. Um, and it's very, very, very <laughs> funny to watch. <laughs> oh, I love seeing some of your work back in the day, Richard, because as you said, Dan, it's social media and coverage wasn't a thing. Like you'd be on Channel nah. 7, but only people in you know, Melbourne would see it. It wouldn't even be national. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely changed a long way since then. I mean, it's probably a good little segue to life in the media for you, Richo. You've yeah. um, you know, been doing a lot of work there since your career finished. Was it something that you worked on during your career or was it something you fell into afterwards? How did that process go? Fell into it a little bit, Scoey. I mean, I did the footy show spasmodically over the years, I guess, from probably about oh, 1995, 96, probably up until, you know, 2005, 2006. I might have done that three or four times a year. Um, and I was petrified doing the footy show. I remember, you know, they'd ring you up on the Tuesday, you know, the, the producer, Ralphie Horowitz, and he'd say, can you come on Thursday night and um, if we weren't playing Friday night, you'd go on. You wouldn't go on if you were playing Friday night. You'd go if you were Saturday or Sunday. You'd go on. So, all I remember is after saying yes to doing the footy show, it just consumed my mind thinking about going onto the footy show because it was a big deal. I mean, it, the ratings were enormous. Yes, so, you know, the, one of the most watched shows in Australia at, at that time. There was with, nothing you know, else Eddie on. There was no other was no, shows. No. It was just the footy show. No, <laughs> the footy no show. exactly. And Sam Newman was just a huge celebrity you know and he was intimidating you know he was a great talent at, at what he did obviously one of the, the best ever as far as footballers going into the media so um and it was all about sam obviously the show and we were basically just three sidekicks sitting over there you know on the three chairs and um you every time you said something sam would take the mickey out of you sometimes and then you'd go back into your shell so look it was a great fun and i really enjoyed it um but it was daunting um, so I had a little bit of experience there. Again, I fell into it a bit because I got injured in my last year. In 2009, um, I snapped my hammy tendon in round five and I had surgery and it was clear I, I wasn't going to play again that year, probably ever. So again, I said to my manager, Gee, I reckon uh, I'm going to be looking for work next year. And he said, well, let's see if we can get you a little bit of media work. And I said, yeah, yeah let's do it. So I actually did a few games on 3RW, um, like 
as a guest special comments, I guess. Um, a lot of the players do it now. Like we have Nick Nat and, and guys like that on Channel 7 occasionally doing the special comments. So I did that on AW. And I did a show on Channel 10, which was on, I think it was called Channel 1 back then, one of their digital channels. It was called One Week at a Time with Stephen Quartermain and Robert Walls. And it was like an on-the-couch type show. Yes. Um, and I did that, I think, every second or third week for the rest of the season. Um, I wasn't very good at it, but it was a good experience. And I learned pretty quickly um, how TV sort of works and, and uh, the ins and outs of it. And I guess by the end of the year, I just hoped that um, I'd get offered some jobs and, and my manager helped me out a lot there. And I got a job with Channel 7 and 3RW and uh, about to do my 13th season this year. So it's gone quickly. It's matching your uh, AFL career. I mean, luckily they didn't pitch, um, I don't know, host of Wheel of Fortune or permanent <laughs> guest of Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> I did sail on Century as well. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's a bucket yeah. list. I used Get to watch that every night. Sail fast Century. money. Fast money was my go. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> You'd be still trying to press the buzzer now, I reckon, Richard. <laughs> now, uh, how does that perspective change for you then as a player? Yeah. You obviously deal with the media, and I'm, I'm kind of going through this process now. I'm yeah. two years removed from the game. I'm doing a lot, you know, a lot, a lot of media. This and um, 6PR is the 3AW equivalent. I'm doing some 7 and Fox footy stuff. How, do you, how does that switch go between player and then into the media? And now you're 13 years in, you're... You're not a player anymore. You're certainly yeah. a, a media uh, expert yeah. and, and personality. How does that perspective change for you as you go? Yeah, look, I try to remain, I try to keep a player's perspective on things and just try and remember how hard the game actually is. I mean, you, you've got to be critical at times, but I, I, I really do try and, and try and see things as you would as a player a little bit. So I, I try to remain sort of, try to remain in that sort of mode as well. Look, I think the biggest key is to be yourself. Um, I think as soon as you start being someone that you're not, I, I really think people see through that pretty quickly. So if I could give advice to anyone going into the media, if, you, if you're not being who you actually are and being yourself, if you're someone that likes to put yourself out there and you're someone that is quite critical and likes to you know, step, you know, set a fine line and, and go that way, then do it. I mean, that, that's what you're good at. If you're not good at that, don't try and do it because it's not going to work. So... I think I just try and be myself. I'm not, I'm not an overly sort of, I guess I'm not out there trying to make too many headlines, but if I believe in something and, uh, you know, that I don't agree with in the game, then I, I think that I'm prepared to say it, but I'm not going to just get out there and say things for the sake of maybe getting a bit of clickbait on Twitter or, or saying something on a Wednesday night on Sports Day to get a bit of a soundbite out of. So be yourself. Um, and I think, you know, I think that's the best advice I can give. When I see a lot of ex-players now in the media, I feel like, um, and this is just my perspective, but I feel like the go-to is usually to then, once once players leave the game, they sort of start to attack players within the game. There's mm. are, there are certain media personalities who are ex-footy players who love to just like, you know, fire at, at the current players. How do you see that going? Cause you're, I mean, you're, you're not really one of those guys who, who's, you know, every week got something to say about a current player. Yeah but obviously you would see it happen. How does that make you feel as someone who's played basically as long as you are in the media? Yeah, I mean, as I said, if that's if that's who you actually are and if that's what you want to be, then, I mean, that that's what you do and, you know, you go for it. But, I mean, that's not my go. That's not what I'm going to do. Look, I think I, I think players know when criticism is warranted. No, I knew when I deserved criticism. So if an ex-player actually brought that up in the media... You know, I, I was able to handle that because I think I knew within myself. And I think most players, 
would still be the same. I mean, um, it's just that fine line of maybe pushing it too far. If you're an ex-player and you go a little bit too hard, it probably can seem a little bit unfair at times. Um, but I think most players know when, when a little bit of criticism is warranted. It's just how you deliver it at times, I think. You're an all-Australian oh, all squad selector, Richo. Yeah. How, how does... How does that process work? I, I, I've been in the game and been close to it. I still don't know. Glenn Jakovic is a colleague of mine yeah. at 6PR. What, what's the process in selecting that? How does it work? Well, I guess you, you have three meetings throughout the year. And at the first meeting, uh, you'll you'll sit there and you'll go through each club and you'll, you'll throw up names on the board. And there might be, you know, there might be two or three players from a club that's, you know, sitting on the bottom of the ladder, if that. And, you know, a team like Melbourne this year at that first meeting, they may have had eight or nine players or even 10 players up on the board who were having, you know, bona fide all-Australian sort of squad type years. So that first meeting, you might have 80 names by the end of it up on the board. The second meeting, you try and trim that down to probably about 60 names. And then that final meeting, you need to get it down to that squad of 40 and then the final 22. So... It's a hard process because there's stiff players missing out on the 40 and then there's extremely stiff players not getting into that final 22. It really is hard. Um, really is hard when you come down to those last few spots. I reckon the, I reckon there's each year there's probably a dozen guys that you just cannot leave out at any cost and then, you know, there's a lot of debate over the rest. Uh, at the end of the day, it, 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 you can't sit there all day and all night. You've got to get the team out there. And at some point you have to put a hand up and say, I'm voting... I'm going for uh, player X and I'm, or someone else might go for player Y. And there's always going to be some criticism of that. There's been some all-time uh, meme videos made about it, um, one involving Adolf Hitler or at least an actor yeah. playing Adolf Hitler that are, are very enjoyable to watch. Some of the criticisms, yeah. criticism has been about picking an all-Australian team that would actually roll out on the weekend, you know, playing yeah. playing midfielders in a forward pocket or on a forward yeah. flank and, you know, non-wingmen on wings, that sort of yeah. stuff. Where do you sit with all that? I mean, clearly you're a selector, yeah. so yeah. does that get talked about? Look, at this is the real talking point. Do you go with just the best 22 bona fide best players of the season, right? Or do you pick the actual best team with every single player in the position they played on the weekend? And that means there's going to be bona fide stars of the game not getting into the 22. So do you just want it to be a showcase of the 22 best players? Or do you want it to be an actual team in the position that they're met? They play every week or 80% of the time. That's the big debate on this one. And I think it's never going to end. I think the only way that will ever end is if the AFL comes out and says, this is the actual criteria and everyone knows what it is. And you then go and select the team according to that criteria. Until then, there's going to be debate. And you know what? The AFL probably, they probably like a bit of debate at the end of the day. The team comes out, everyone in the press talks about it. It means the AFL's being talked about. Everyone's writing articles and posting online and the game's being talked about. So... Yeah, it's an interesting debate. I saw uh, the 2021 team of players played in their positions and, and the person who made it um, put the forward pocket, it was the, the player with the most pressure points in the AFL right. got that position. Yeah. They, they made yeah. selection criteria. Um, yeah. You know, the full forward was probably goals. Centre yeah. forward might have been, yeah. you know, whatever it was. Yeah. And it was a good team. And, and, I yeah. don't, and, and you actually couldn't argue your way out of many. There was obviously... A couple of guys that you were sort of like, be oh, the midfielders, wow. I guess. Uh, no, it's actually the forwards. So a, a small, a good small forward in terms of you know playing on any given weekend. 
probably won't make that All-Australian team. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. a forward pocket that's in the... It's a, he's a role player. He, he chases, he tackles. He might not kick many goals, but he plays a role and the best role in the team, which is that pressure player. He's not going to be in the All-Australian team, but uh, it was someone like a Tom Papley or... Uh, yeah. Of that, it maybe one of the St Kilda small forwards that was actually yeah. on top of this thing. I mean, it, an argument can certainly be made to be doing that sort of team. Yeah, of course, I, I agree, and I think there's never not going to be debate on it because there's there's actually no real clear cut criteria like that. You know, where where you've got to select two wingmen. You know, they have to have played there for eighty percent of the time. And look, I guess. I guess to do that, you'd almost have to rewrite the whole constitution of it and and write that criteria in, and then the selectors then have to follow that criteria. Look, it's a little bit more subjective at the moment, and and uh, yeah, that's just the way it is. But it creates plenty of debate. But look, I think the wingmen and the forward pockets are the ones at the moment that are the harder ones to pick, Scoey, for sure. Um, I want to talk about another role that you serve, and that's uh, sort of the boundary rider because you're, uh, you know. I do enjoy your your comments there on the boundary, but just quickly before we we leave all Australian selection, um, just like I'm just thinking logistically, are you like in a room like like if there's one player at, that you're like this guy has to make the team, but another person doesn't want that? Is it like does it come down to a vote? Is that how like lo- the logistics of it, or is it purely like one person has the final say? No, no, not one. No, not one person has the final say. Look, it, the discussion will go around, and everyone will give give their opinion. And look, at eventually, it'll it'll get it'll land on the player that it gets selected. So does it get heated? You know, could go back, could go back and forward for a quite a, a quite a long time, though. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, I guess you have to pick it eventually. Otherwise, you'll just you well, know, you could be I mean, like a jury that never comes back. You're splitting hairs at the end of the day with yeah. with these guys and how well they've played during the year, particularly when you get down to that last you know, a few positions where, you know, you could probably put five or six guys on the interchange bench, but eventually yeah. you just have to select someone. What's something about the boundary rider role that um, people wouldn't usually know? I mean, you're, you're out amongst the wolves, really. You're, you're, you're with the, the, the most passionate fans because you're right at the front, the people that are spending sort of the most money. Yeah. What's some, some of your experiences of, of doing that? Oh, I'll tell you what, that sitting in the boundary at Port Adelaide, like it can... At times, so you've got an earpiece in in your ear with the commentary coming through the earpiece, obviously, so I can hear what Brian and or Luke Darcy or James Brayshaw and everyone's saying up in the box. But you're right, you're right on the boundary line there at the Adelaide Oval. At times, you can barely even hear uh, what the commentators are saying, and you know they're trying to cross down to you, and you, you can't hear them. So yeah, you really need to be concentrating. There's no doubt about that because it, it's not great. Viewing, it's not great TV if they're trying to come down to you and you're not responding. So, yeah, it can be hard to hear at times. But I think it, yeah, what a position. I mean, I remember uh, in my might have been my first year at the MCG when uh, remember when Buddy Franklin kicked those two running goals against Essendon at the yes. MCG Kale Hooker. on the members' wing. Kale you know, and Kyle Hooker chasing him. Chasing him. Mm. You know, I, I'm not a Hawthorne supporter. I love watching Buddy Franklin play, but. I remember that night just sitting there on the boundary line and I did get the literal, the hairs standing up on the back of my neck and I thought, wow, how good's this? You know, I'm sitting a metre away from the ground and Buddy's running past me, bouncing it, you know, six foot six, 100 kilos and kicking a goal like that. Uh, So I guess it's just the, um, just how up close and personal you are down there, the things you hear and just the the bodies, uh, you know, smacking into each other. When I first retired, I thought, you know, 
the, one of the first games I did, a couple of guys smashed into each other right in front of me on the boundary line. I sort of winced. I went, God, how uh, how tough are these guys? And I thought, 12 months ago, I was playing that. And I, I couldn't imagine the fact that I was even playing 12 months ago, how hard and how, how strong they are and how the velocity when they hit. So, um, yeah, we're very privileged to have the jobs we have. Have you ever made something up, Richo? I've done a bit of boundary riding, not at the level you have, yeah. but it gets crossed yeah. down to you and they ask you about Dan Const and the ankle that he's just... Uh, give us an update on Dan Const down on the boundary. Have you made much up down there, Richo? I'll tell you one area I get nervous is when I'm trying to give uh, medical updates. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physio. And we should we should just steer clear of that and stop trying to make diet. I remember we were um, working working with uh, Dr. Larkins, Dr. Peter Larkins. He was on our Saturday night coverage for yep. a few years. And at one point in the game, Doc was down on the boundary line and I'm, I diagnosed an injury from the box. And <laughs> I remember Doc sort of coming up to me after the game and sort of just mentioning that I leave that stuff to him. <laughs> I think I have to agree with him. Oh, that's very good. Um, I want to finish this part of the, the session off and we do appreciate your time, Rich. I know you've got kids as well, no, so hopefully you haven't woken them up. Um, well, it actually works well for you guys because they they just uh, got to sleep before we started, so all good. Well, well done. done, the fatherhood figure. We love it. Now, I want to ask you. Uh, you know, this is an incredibly uh, serious and and well, I think relatable topic to a lot of people. Um, Danny Frawley, an ex coach of yours yeah. at Richmond, um, he passed away in 2019. Um, he, he was obviously a, a media cohort uh, member as well, so you would have dealt with Danny post footy as well. How close were you to Danny? How did you deal with his passing in 2019? Yeah, it was yeah, it was unbelievable. I, I couldn't I couldn't uh, process it for a while there. When I first heard, I was actually just around the corner um, at the, my local gym, and the art was sort of about 3:30 in the afternoon, and got a phone call from Throughout W and one of the producers there. On the I think it was I, I think it might have been Tom Elliott's show. I'm not. I can't remember, but they said, "Do you want to comment on on the?" on Danny Frawley's passing. And I just, I said, what? I said, no, I don't. I don't even know if, if that's a fact. I've just, I've had no news. So I said, no, I don't want to say anything. And I remember sort of hanging up off the phone and then the phone call started coming through from, you know, Richmond people and, and um, you know, Brendan Gale actually rang and some former teammates and we all sort of couldn't believe it. And it was like he'd been punched in the guts and we're just all in a bit of shock. And then it hit you the next day that it was actually real, you know, and, yeah, I can't believe it still now. Um, Danny was a great guy. Uh, we loved him as a coach. He was a real a real players man. He used to get out there and train with us. Um, he, he was hard. You know, when we had, a, a, as I said, we played in a prelim under Danny in 2001. So we, we were a good team there for a while. And it was because of Danny and how he got us together. Uh, we had a good game plan that everyone knew. So he was a good coach. People forget that. Um and then, you know, after footy, I, I had a lot to do with him in the media. We did some country tours together with, you know, a lot of other footballers and, and ex-footballers. And he was just always the life of the party. When Danny walked into a room, the room came alive, always came alive. And he was always the centre of, of the attention. He was always making uh, people laugh. So, yeah, it's just um, it's just hard to take. Um, obviously, wasn't feeling that way deep inside. That is That is clear for everyone to see now, but... I don't think I ever saw Danny at the footy on a Sunday Arvo at the G because he used to do radio on Sunday and so did I. And you'd bump in at half time in the media room and you might have a two-minute encounter with Spud, but you'd always walk away laughing or with tears in your eyes and he always made you feel good. Um, and that's how I like to remember Spud. I've seen pretty... Re- oh, sorry, you go, you go. 
but I, I encourage on if you're feeling flat or down you've just got to you've got to talk to your friends and, and let it out and and speak to people. I know Spud did do that, but um, eventually, obviously, it just became a bit too much for him. I've seen recently, Richo, that um, you've spoken about you know brain injury and brain trauma. Um, you know, quite recently in your yeah. time at the game as a player, and it's been reasonably well publicised that Danny went through his own mental issues uh, post footy. Um, yeah. What, what about that side of it? The, the mental side of it, both as a player and now post player. Where do you land on all of that? Yeah, I, I, look, I've got to, I, I am interested in this space because it's 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 important. I think as young, uh, when I was a young player coming through in the AFL, you weren't. If it was just sort of the strong survived, and you didn't really, you weren't encouraged to speak to anyone if you were probably feeling a bit down or you weren't feeling the best. But I think it's the opposite now. I, I really think we we encourage people to speak about their mental health, and if they're not feeling great, to talk about it or to go away and. And um, you know, do something for their mental health, and I, I think you know we're really on the right track in that regard. I think the AFL's on the right track um, with what they're doing to try and protect the head. I mean, at the end of the day, we play a contact sport, and there is going to be collisions. Uh, but I think they've done everything they can in recent times to try and eliminate that. You can never take it right out of the game, and you play the game knowing that you you are a chance at some point to be to be uh, hit in the head. But I think they've done really well at eliminating you know all of the cheap stuff out of the game now, and I think it's. I think it's a pretty safe game to play now. I, I think it is compared to you know twenty five, thirty years ago. How, how do you? Well, you played twenty five to thirty years ago. Well, well, a little bit yeah. closer than that. Um, how do you feel personally? Yeah, look, I, I did have you know some some big concussions. You know, once where you were completely out and, and wake up in the rooms, and um, yeah, you, you, it does worry you when you see you know some of these ex players that are having issues with, with their brain now and their memory and, and headaches and, and these types of things and what's happened in America with the NFL. So yeah, I wouldn't say I don't think about it at times and, and how the how I'm going to be feeling down the track, but I feel well at the moment. I think you just got to, you got to, uh, one of the biggest things I think you can, you just got to keep yourself moving, keep exercising. I think, I think exercise is the most important thing I can do at the moment for my mental health. When I exercise well, exercise, I feel better um, in my head as well. So um, that's something I try and do. Very good, mate. Appreciate you speaking about that topic too, because I know it can sometimes be hard, but we do appreciate your honesty, mate. No, really, really no good. worries at all. Um, now, we have come, as we segue, into... Oh, I'm sure Richo knows about this. Um, social media. Uh, did ask of, beforehand, geez, are we doing of, social media? One of the, one of the great uh, podcasting <laughs> segments of all time, Richo. Um, <laughs> been around for a long time, probably probably before you were playing um, internationally. I love what now. you've done with that, social media. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might be a fan of that, Richo. Very good. Social media. It. Here it is. We, it. we get the people to ask the questions to us, Richo, so the people yeah, get a good. voice in this podcast. Podcast. Uh, let's kick it off with Candace. She's a big fan. Candace Spag. Okay. Uh, what was your thoughts on Cousins joining the Tigers and how did the players inside the club feel about it? Uh, did the players have a say on it? Yeah, yeah, we did. Obviously, it was discussed uh, with the players uh, initially. And I remember walking out of that meeting and thinking, geez, can I play with Ben Cousins? I thought, yeah, how good's this? And I, look, I think it was really good for Ben. He came across to Melbourne. Um, you know, he got along well with all the players. He trained hard. He was here for two years. I only played in his first year. I only played half a game with him um, in round one that year. Uh, he did his hammy at half time, and then I did my hammy in round five or six, and he came back the next week, and I never played again for the year. So I only played half a game with Ben. But, yeah, 
good guy, and I think he was a good example for guys like Cochin and Martin. If you speak to them, they, they they speak highly of him and some of the stuff he passed down on how to play in the midfield. And I think at the time it was really good for Ben. I think it helped him at the time, um, you know, sort of get his life back on track for a period there. And um, I hear he's going quite well at the moment, and yeah, I really hope that continues for him. That's good. Love that. Um, Philip underscore white, double underscore. This is the second one. Second one. Okay. Is it true a rookie player who was meant to be house-sitting your home had a massive party and the only reason you found out is that you found a digital camera from the night in question? No, that is correct. When I retired, I went. I thought I want to get away for a month. So I hired an apartment in New York and Nathan Brown had retired as well. Me and Brownie went to New York for a month and I had my house sitting there and a former teammate of mine and good friend of mine, Kane Pettifer, put his hand up to uh, house sit for me. I said, that's all well and good train, but, you know, you've got history and you'd like to, you know, you'd, you'd like to have a good time. I said, mate, if you're going to stay here, no parties. I don't want any parties at my house. I get along well with my neighbours. Um, it's not that sort of set up here. Um, so, yeah, you can stay here, but just make sure you look after it and don't abuse it with any partying. And so anyway, I get home from America. You get that early flight in here to Melbourne, land at seven, rock up home. And uh, Kane was still in bed. I walked down to the lounge room and the house looked spotless. You know, it looked perfect. I thought, oh, Kane's oh, really looked Bad sign. Too, too clean. I think he went, yeah, he went too far. And then I saw a digital camera sitting on the coffee table and it wasn't mine. I went over to it and I just, you know, pressed the on button. Well, if there wasn't about 100 photos of one of the biggest rip-roaring parties you've ever seen at my house, there were 50 people in the swimming pool. There were people in my bed sleeping. There were beer bottles everywhere. There were nice uh, whiskey bottles lying all around the place. So I thought, oh, this is good. So I turned the camera off and I waited for Kane to get up. And he walked down the hallway. He said, welcome back, Rick. And I said, yeah, good to see you, Train. I said, now, mate, be honest with me here. You didn't have any parties, did you? And he said, no, 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 no. Looked after it well, mate. So I threw the camera at him and said, what's this then? <laughs> Good. And he said, oh, sorry, man. You got me. The funniest part about that story is that's social media before social media. Digital yeah, camera. Exactly. Digital camera. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The old digital camera got him. Oh, that's so good. Um, now, Bailey Berry, 16, says uh, he or she, could be both, either, adored you as a, as a um, footy player growing up, Richo, but we're not going to ask that one because we did cover the 2017 grand final. Short yeah. for Decker. Uh, how do you see the club care of players when you played compared to now? More or less of a business? Is it, was it more of a less of a business when you were playing than it is now? Oh, definitely less of a business. Yeah, it wasn't as big as what it is now. There wasn't as much money involved, and um, you know, just the spotlight on the game now. Every every single game's coverage, the media during the week, the amount of shows, the amount of you know columns that are spent on it. So. Yeah. Does that translate then to care for the players? You know, they're sort of treated now as assets as opposed to previous? Oh, gee, it's a hard one. Look, look, they probably, they have more more at their disposal at the club. Yeah, definitely. So I guess guess they would be. I always felt like we were treated well, but, you know, clearly there's a lot uh, more people involved now, so they have got more at their disposal. More resources now. Yeah, I like that. Now, I think it's unfair to say Richo wasn't preparing for a life in media playing footy. I mean, Wheel of Fortune, we've seen some of the ads he used to do. Uh, This one in particular, I think, is an interesting one. This is from Joey 
Double underscore Italiano. We love the double underscore. Hey, Richo, do you have any funny stories or thoughts on the AFL Evolution? Oh, gosh, I'm just reading this for the first time because I was a big AFL Evolution player. Yeah. I'm going to read this question again. Do you have any funny stories slash thoughts on the AFL Evolution commentary and ask and how much of a part of Were it you were? Were you a part of that? Did you keep yes, commentary? There is some all-time crackers with Richo on there. I'm just remembering this now. Uh, say that was one of the most tedious experiences of my life. Please tell that. us how that works because it's like... You basically went into a studio. This uh, is for a game show. Tennis. Anyone who doesn't know what AFL Evolution is, a ga- yeah, sorry, 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 it's for a game. It's yeah. for a, um, like a Nintendo, Console game. A PlayStation, yeah. that yeah. sort of stuff. And you, you've basically just got to say one, you know, one word over and over again, then two, then three, then a phrase, then one, one score, the next score, the next score. And you, Siri, I was there for three days just reading these lines off paper. It was hard to sound passionate and enthusiastic and <laughs> upbeat. And I think that came across in the commentary from yeah. all accounts. I, I just remember it just being like, Richmond scored a goal. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Richo. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, absolutely spot on. And I have not had one person come and pump me up about that commentary. <laughs> They could not pay me enough to do that again. <laughs> that is so. <laughs> and it wasn't great. Uh, you know, let me tell you, it wasn't great pay either. Oh, very your special well. comments. <laughs> your special comments in that game. That is oh, a boy. That is crazy. I, I do remember. Yeah. yeah. Brisbane in front. Oh. West Coast. And it's just the same every time. It, it was stuff like, what a specky. <laughs> great goal. What a kick. <laughs> And then you just hear, thanks, Richo. <laughs> it's just like the one thanks, Richo, every time. Oh, that's very good. That got me, that got me Richo. Oh, I will say, it doesn't get, I don't get gotten very often, but I'm crying uh, with laughter over here. That's very good. Um, <laughs> Connor Morrissey music. Oh, that's as good as it gets. Jack Sorry. Rebolt kicked 10 on SCOE. How many yeah. would have you managed? <laughs> oh, perfect. Thanks, Connor. <laughs> Next question. He no, did have a G that day, didn't he? Oh, it was yeah, all, they good. weren't all on you, Scoey, though, were they? There you go. Richo knows his stuff. Probably that's eight correct. Or nine. Yeah, six of them were. When you were telling the story about Kepler Bradley, actually, um, <laughs> it brought back some vivid memories of Jack Rewald. Um, <laughs> Eric McKenzie started on Jack Rewald, and I remember quarter time. Um, I was a second, third string defender at that stage and mm-hmm. Eric had been given the big task on Jack Rewald, who won the Norm Smith medal, uh, sorry, who won the Coleman medal that year. So I will say, it wasn't like it was some pleb kicking goals on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You best, had no hope. Best in the competition. Anyway, uh, three, <laughs> quarter time and our uh, backline coach at the time, Daniel Metropolis, um, who no longer works at the club, uh, <laughs> came down and, and, and Rewald had kicked four goals and he said, easy. So that was Eric McKenzie's nickname, Easy. Come here, come here, easy, come here. I told you yesterday when I saw you walking around the hotel, you had no shoes on, you're walking around barefooted. I knew you weren't switched on. That's the reason this has happened. You bloody didn't switch on and you're barefooting yourself around this hotel and I'm sick of it. Scoey, you're on Rewalt. Anyway, Rewalt, Rewalt kicked six goals the rest of the game and kicked ten and it was one of the worst experiences of my AFL career. <laughs> So, I love that coaches used to try and find something <laughs> for your bad form like that, like yes. no shoes on. Yes. What was the um? What was the one with the long sleeves? Uh, one of the oh, coaches. Peter Sumich. Peter yeah. Sumich um, basically had a, um, Ashton Hams, who used to love wearing long sleeves. He wore long sleeves for quite a bit of his career, and he he had uh, a poor game one week, and Summer basically had him by the throat up. He didn't have him by the throat, but you know he was very angry, and he had him pressed up against a wall, saying, "How dare you!" 
disrespect the jumper by wearing those long sleeves. You'll never wear those long sleeves again. Anyway, right next to Ashton Hems, they've got the uh, the Wall of Honour at West Coast. So that they put the, the picture up of the player playing his 100th game. Peter Sumich is in a long sleeve jumper in his 100th game. <laughs> you, you wrapped the long sleeve jumper a couple of times, didn't you? Uh, I, can't, I don't think I did. No, I think I, I saw a. I think I saw a photo of you wearing a long sleever <laughs> challenge. Oh, you know what? Email that to me if you find it. That photo. All right. All right. If we're right, what, 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 what happens if we're right, Richard? I could have. I could have on a wet day, but I does. I can't remember. I can't you weren't that guy. Okay. Uh, this That's one's right. a good one. Punter seventy two. I like this, Richard. You were on uh, <clears throat> one of few players in that era who we saw their best football after a full new uh, full knee reconstruction. How long did it take you to feel like it was no limitation and how annoyed yeah. were you with an inadequate SCG that had the boundary right on the fence? Yes, I did my knee round 9.95 at the SCG and they did move the boundary line in the next week. So it was an admission of guilt, basically, that it was too close. Um, so, yeah, look, if I didn't come back, I guess there would have been some legal um, legal stuff there for me. Anyway, I did come back. Um, so, yeah, did it in round nine. And I played round one the next year. I played all of the pre-season games the next year in 96. And what I do remember is I didn't get a kick in the three um, lead-up games to round one. We played Essendon in round one. And I thought I was really struggling. Um, I felt like I'd, you know, just, I was lim- felt like I was still limping, even though I probably wasn't. Um, I just didn't have any confidence. For whatever reason, we came out in round one and, yeah, I had a good game and it sort of just clicked and I had a good year from there on. But... Um, yeah, for three weeks there, those first three games, I really felt like I was struggling. But in hindsight, it was it was probably just, you know, getting some Ks into the legs and getting a little bit of confidence up and it sort of all clicked into round one, yeah. I think being young and, and just sort of hungry to get back was my motivation was to prove people wrong um, and get back as quickly as I could and then prove people wrong, saying that I wouldn't be the same player and all that sort of thing. And that's what I used through my rehab. Two more questions of social media to go, and then we'll let you go, Richo. We appreciate your time. Um, this second last one, we're going to tie into Media Watch, Richo. We do mm. um, a bit of a segment on I'm here as well. I'm just going to get that article up. No, right. I've got it up right here. Oh, Don't worry you. about that. Media Watch is just a bit of a look around the media landscape in the AFL and just to see who's just a little bit out of line. You've you've never come up, and I don't think you will, but you know the types we're talking about. I'm not going to name them. We won't name and shame them. But, Richo, would you believe it? You're actually this week's Media Watch uh, man. Am I? Yes, I'm looking at an article from the dailymail.co.uk. Um, got a few pictures on the top. Its title is, Matthew Richardson shovels food into his mouth. Uh, um, and the social media, which I'll, I'll, I'll read this one out. This is from Mike Hells. How did Richo move on from this hard-hitting Daily Mail headline in 2014? So this is another headline of the same article. Dine and Dash. Former AFL player Matthew Richardson shovels food into his mouth as girlfriend Genevieve Holiday cringes and looks away while walking behind him. Richo, how did you ever recover from that, mate? Well, the staggering thing about that is I actually did get papped, which I found... I actually was wrapped, to be honest with you. I mean... I never thought I'd be papped, and I haven't been since. But I actually got papped that day, and it was about 100 metres from my house in Elwood. And we had the – if you're ever in Elwood in Victoria, go to the, uh, the roundabout on Ormond Road and um, Broadway and Glen Huntley Road. There's the best bakery in Melbourne just about right there. And I used to go down there on a Sunday, and we'd had a big night the night before. I think we'd had a wedding the night before, and we had to get down to the bakery and just get a couple of uh, little treats down there, as you do when you're a little bit hung. 
And yes. I got this, uh, I got a meat pie and I had the, they had one of the, the uh, aluminium trays underneath it and I couldn't get it in quick enough. And I was packed <laughs> in the middle of eating my meat pie, right? There's now, such bad on, photos. I just don't know why I was packed, but I think I've worked out. Natalie Bassingweight lived just around the corner and I reckon they were there to get her and she wasn't around and then they saw me and they just thought, oh, this bloke will do <laughs> Have a look at this bloke getting into his meat pie. I've just, I've just, I've just eaten exactly like that while I've been walking. Like I've, I'm just like, yeah, that's just how people eat when they're shoveling yeah. food down on, on a walk. I know people who get papped regularly would find it annoying, but I was pretty happy with it, to be honest. Oh, that's very good. Now, I'm going to uh, finish uh, social media with a private social media that I actually requested. I contacted someone at the West Coast Eagles, he will remain unnamed, Warren Cofed, uh, that uh, he's one of Matty Richardson's good friends. Uh, they they spent a bit of time together at Richmond. He's now the uh, high perf- uh, strength and conditioning coach at West Coast, been doing that for a long time, and I know you two are highly connected, Rich. I will start with this. He says that I single-handedly saved his career when he had recurrent hamstring issues. He owes everything he has to me. And if, would you well, like to respond to that? You know what? He probably did. He probably wow. did because I was, I was doing hamstrings regularly and I'd just about – you know when you do soft tissue injuries, if there's anything that will do your head in more is a recurring soft tissue. Yep. because you think that you're 100%, you've done all of the rehab, and then you get out and it goes bang in the game. And I was doing this regularly and was starting to really wear me down mentally. And anyway, Kofa, Kofa got me on a good rehab program and, and yeah, he did. He got me back and I hardly missed any games with my hammy up until I snapped it off the bone and that was the end of my career. But my last five years, unfortunately, I've got to... You don't want to hear this. No, I don't. Scully, but I don't. Kofa, Kofa did get me back on track. One of the worst... Uh, He's got bad fashion, though, Kofi. I remember one night we were at the Mink Bar on a Sunday night in Melbourne, and it was at the end of the season, and Kofi had bought these green suede diesel boots. Remember diesel were doing oh, yeah. shoes there yeah, for a yeah, while? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these things were horrible. <laughs> so the boys were getting into Kofi all night at this set bar. We're having a few drinks. We've been stroppy about and, that. Yeah, you, are, you know how grumpy yeah, he gets, real, too. Yeah, stroppy. Anyway, we walked out of Mink Bar, and we're walking up... Um, Walking up back up Backland Street, there home, and Cove just took the shoes off and threw them in the bin. The Four hundred dollar <laughs> diesels. We got to him that badly that he just threw them in the bin. Oh, he's wow. a good man, Cove. A very good man. He I miss him actually. I haven't seen him because of these border and COVID stuff. Yeah, it's been a tough time for a lot of people separated across yeah. states. Um, he did ask me to maybe mention. I mean, you're a big music fan. You're uh, yeah. you love your live music. Pearl Jam, uh, Eddie yeah. Vedder. Any 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 experiences with the great man Eddie Vedder? I walked down the aisle to Eddie Vedder. Uh, Alex, Alex and I, yeah, we had Eddie Vedder playing. Well, not not live, but out yeah, of a, course, out of a tape no recorder. One, or no one assumed Eddie Vedder was at your wedding. Richo might have. I don't know. It sounds like you know him uh, personally, Richo. Well, I did. I, I was very lucky to have a friend who was um, um, involved with Pearl Jam when they toured here in two thousand and nine. At the end of two thousand nine, I'd just retired actually, and we went to Pearl Jam that. The day that I retired, we went to Pearl Jam the next night. Wow. And I think Eddie Vedder, wherever he goes, he reads the paper. And I was in the paper retiring. And one of the the support bands, the Cosmic Psychos, he's a good friend with the lead singer. And he was a Richmond supporter. So it all just sort of aligned. And uh, Eddie said, who's this guy? And he ended up getting up. And at at Marvel Stadium, he dedicated a song to me because I just retired. Wow. And anyway, we went backstage and I got a photo with Eddie and, you know, we were just standing around having a chat to all the crew in there and everyone. And I thought, that's it, night, mate. 
met Eddie Vedder. I've had a photo with him. You know, I've done the pest thing. Yeah. And I thanked him for what he did up on stage. And that was it. I was going to go home happy as Larry. And then um, Ross from the Cosmic Psycho said, no, you're not going anywhere. We're going back to Eddie's hotel to have some beers. So next thing I know, I'm in Eddie's Tarago, leaving Marvel Stadium in Eddie Vedder's Tarago. And we end up back at the Como in South Yarra. It's a people mover. On the balcony of Eddie's room with a big bucket of Coronas and sat there to about 4.30 in the morning. Best night of my life. Oh, Oof. that is unreal. And you know what? You know when they say you should never meet your heroes? Well, it's not true of Eddie Vedder. He could not have exceeded my expectations anymore. Oh. Absolute legend. I was. could not be more jealous right now. If we're talking about people <laughs> mm. I'd like to speak to, Eddie Vedder's right there. As I said, walk down the aisle to him. So, Richo, yeah. look, we're allowed to swear. We haven't sworn once this podcast. I'm going to say fuck you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. A mate of mine was meant to come to that gig, and he didn't. Because he had to, hadn't had something else on, and he sort shame. of shame. And I, That's so I, when I got home, I wrote, rang him the next day. I said, "Mate, if you had a come, he couldn't believe it. How flat he still brings it up now." Oh, as you would, he'd still be. Yeah. He could never live it down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mate, unreal. Um, I think that's a perfect place to end this one. Um, we appreciate you giving us so much time, mate. And know you're a busy man, dad, media commitments, and the rest. Um, just wanted to say thank you, and it's been awesome, mate. Nah, thank you, guys. Pleasure. And Richo, if you ever want to find us on social media, social media, all the rest, just search Back Chat on YouTube. We come up. Subscribe. Are you subscribed to us? Are you subscribed to YouTube? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Oh, yeah, Richo. It's better than Charlie. I will be in about five minutes. Yeah, thanks, mate. (laughs) Back Chat on YouTube, and then also Back Chat double underscore TikTok, uh, Instagram. You can send Twitter. us an email if yeah. you want to as well, Richo. Hello at backchatpodcast.com.au. You can even look at us on our website, backchatpodcast.com.au. Um, anything I'm missing? Um, no, you, wouldn't be, you wouldn't be on Reddit, would you, Richo? No, no, I'm not. No. Yeah, Stay well away from that. Um, <laughs> it's been fun, guys. We're saying goodbye to Richo and to you. All the best. Thanks, mate. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.